The following podcast is not for children and contains discussions of adult themes. In addition, this particular episode discusses emotional abuse and familial death. Listener's discretion is advised. And remember, listeners, the dreamiest thing you can do is listen to your own needs. Welcome back to the Three Little Words podcast, where we read and rank romance novels on steaminess, dreaminess, and memeiness. I'm Nicole. And I'm Claudia. And today we will be discussing The Makeup Test by Jenny L. Howe. Nicole, Jenny L. Howe, did you enjoy this book? (laughs) (laughs) I freaking loved this book. (laughs) It made me so happy. I... Listen, maybe it's because I I had to scramble to read it at the last bit. And (laughs) between starting this book and ending this book, I lost my job. But but like, I thought it was okay. I have some issues with the pacing and with Mm -hmm. some stuff at the end. But I thought a lot of parts of this book were charming. I ate this shit up. (laughs) I, (laughs) I have like a lot of thoughts on contemporary romance. Not naming any names. But I have read a contemporary romance novel with a fat main character and her entire personality, her entire character was just that she's fat. And like Mm -hmm. she had like no other substance to her. And I was like, what the fuck is this? So it was very nice, like just seeing a fat character be a character. (laughs) Yeah, I think we've actually had some good luck with that on the podcast between both this and uh, Eight Kinky Nights. Yeah, I thought about that a lot while reading this because I'm like, this is good. This is nice. Yeah. Oh, I do want to mention why I chose this book because this was my pick. Our author here, Jenny L. Howe, is actually local to me. And I was supposed to go to her little book signing event at my favorite bookstore. But of course, in typical Nicole fashion, I had a migraine that day. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I couldn't go. But fortunately, they did have autographed copies at my bookstore. So I got one. Ooh. Very excited to add this to my collection. So it was actually really fun seeing references to like Providence and stuff in here. Yeah. So, oh, like I've been to the Roger Williams Zoo multiple times. Yeah, I was going to say they go to the Roger Williams Zoo. They talk about Brown. <laughs> it's like, oh, I've been there. So yeah, it was fun seeing just like references to local things. And it's like the one way streets in Providence. I'm like, oh, I'm very familiar. <laughs> but yeah, I enjoyed this book. Another thing I was thinking about when reading this is in terms of like other contemporary romance novels that I have read recently is that a lot of them have been like very hit or miss for me. Mm-hmm. And this one was a hit. Like the ones that hit tend to tickle me in such a way that is like very specific and I can't really put it into words. But this like this just tickled me in the right way. Like it made me smile. <laughs> yeah. It largely had a very like playful tone to it. Yeah. There wasn't a whole lot of angst. No. So back of the book here. Allison Avery loves to win. After acing every academic challenge she's come up against, she's finally been accepted into her dream PhD program at Claymore University, studying medieval literature under professors she's admired for years. 
Sure, grad school isn't easy. The classes are intense, her best friend is drifting away, and her students would rather pull all-nighters and discuss the knight's tale. But she's got this. Until she discovers her ex-boyfriend has also been accepted. Colin Benjamin might be the only person who loves winning more than Allison does, and when they're both assigned a TA for the same professor, the game is on. What starts as a personal battle of wits and lit turns into an all-out war when their professor announces a career-changing research trip opportunity with one spot to fill. Competing with Colin is as natural as breathing, and after he shattered her heart two years ago, Allison refuses to let him come out on top. But when a family emergency and a late-night road trip, plus a very sexy game of Scrabble, throw them together for a weekend, she starts to wonder if they could be stronger on the same team. And if they fall for each other all over again, Allison will have to choose between a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and what could be a twice-in-a-lifetime love. That summarizes like 65% of this book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so what do you think of the book? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's get into it. Yes. So we meet Allison Avery, a PhD student at Claymore University. Now, I have never been part of a PhD program, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I guess part of it is to like teach a class and everything. And lo and behold, who is a part of this program but her ex-boyfriend, Colin Benjamin. Colin Ugh. Benjamin. This fucking guy. Sexy fucking asshole. Cardigans. <laughs> bony elbows. <laughs> we learned right off the bat that things ended not so great between them. He broke up with her. We don't know why quite yet. But what we do know is that he is like super competitive and like kind of just like brings out this side of her that not really anybody else can. Let me skip ahead. Something about biceps. <laughs> the boy <laughs> certainly has muscles, I guess. That's for sure. Sweating. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> Can we talk about how this takes place in basically September to November 2022? And it's like, <laughs> oh, it was so cold up up in Maine in, in November. Let me see. Uh, temperature <laughs> in Stony Brook, Maine. Uh, it's currently 62 in Maine, oh in God. Stony Brook, Maine today. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking 70 in Connecticut. God, what is it here in Massachusetts? 74 degrees. Ah, Massachusetts. The only Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> that one tickled you. <laughs> that one got me. <laughs> So we also meet other students in her PhD program. The only ones really worth noting, I think, are Mandy, who becomes her friend. And you already know who the other one is. My, <laughs> my favorite character, <laughs> Ethan, what's his actual name? It's I know it's not Ethan Winback. It's Ethan, what, Winthrop like or something? Whitmire or something. I can only think of Ethan Winback. Yeah. I mean, that's what they call him for the rest of the book. Windmore. Windmore, okay. Yeah. This this man. <laughs> he sucks so hard. <laughs> he sucks so hard that he wraps around to being great. Every time like, I would see his name in the book, I would just think of SpongeBob and the guy being like, oh, brother, <laughs> this guy stinks. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Oh, God, I'm crying. Literally every time. I'm like, this guy sucks so hard. I mean, let's talk about the, the way he's introduced. 
Allison brings up a point about Derrida saying that his writing is fucking impenetrable. And Ethan Winmore, quote, to herself, Allison referred to him as Ethan Winbag, announced, you've clearly missed the nuance of his theory. What? <laughs> it's like, what, what an asshole. Oh, brother, this guy's <laughs> God, exactly. <laughs> oh, God, he's the worst. And it's like, I don't think I've ever met anyone quite like him but if i were to meet somebody like that i don't even know how i would react <laughs> i think my favorite thing is how like everybody hates him for like all this fucking guy yeah Ugh, just like he's so pretentious i want to hit him i want to shove his head in a toilet <laughs> he, he he wasn't bullied enough <laughs> in high school oh no <laughs> controversial opinion <laughs> Speaking of uh, people who get bullied in controversial opinions, I don't like starting out books in Claudia's conjecture corner. I usually save that for later. But <laughs> if I don't do this now, we will be stopping every chapter to step into Claudia's conjecture corner. So I'm just going to make a, a blanket statement here. We've had canonically autistic characters in books we've read on this show before. But let me tell you, I am dead ass serious when I say... This book has the most autistic main characters I have read in a book ever. I didn't think you would bring it up now. I thought you were going to bring it up later because there is like one exact part where they mention uh, Colin flapping yeah. his hands around. And I'm like, oh, like the boy flaps. got a tick. Bo yeah. Both of them do. Or she yeah. doesn't flap, but they both have like their stims and their little special interests. Colin is a picky eater and tries very hard to hide it, much like myself. And <laughs> honestly, I find it endearing. Very much so. I do wonder, as I often wonder when I enter Claudia's conjecture corner, <laughs> I wonder if Jenny L. Howe knows that these characters are incredibly autistic. <laughs> Jenny, write us. Write, write me and tell me. And uh, I can send you some, some self-diagnosis quizzes if you're interested. <laughs> So yeah, just assume throughout the episode that periodically all the other voices in my head are like, say the line, Claudia. <laughs> Got that out of the way early on. <laughs> yeah. So early on, they talk about their first meeting, which I thought was pretty cute. Mm -hmm. So they're at this party. It was what, her sophomore year of college? Probably. And she was like dancing or whatever, and some guy came up behind her and didn't move. And she, she was like, oh, okay, so like this guy wants to dance. And he was just like, uh, I'm just trying to get by. And she had like <laughs> trapped him with her ass against a wall. <laughs> and she was fucking mortified and tried to avoid him as much as she could in class because unfortunately they had class together until eventually they were they became cool and started dating. So we are reminded of, of that time because currently they're looking at their mailboxes and about to learn which classes they've been assigned to TA. Oh, did you did you read that uh, Jenny L. Howe has, I believe, a PhD in, med in medieval literature? That makes sense. Yeah. If she didn't, I would be deeply surprised. Yes. I will say right off the bat that a lot of the medieval literature stuff just totally flew over my head. Uh <laughs> Some of it flew over my head. Did you read any of Canterbury Tales or Beowulf in high school? Nope. No? <laughs> the only thing I know about Canterbury Tales is it's very stupid. Troy from Marble Hornets did like 
a video or something and it was like partially animated i'm pretty i think it was troy from marble hornets or like tim and it had like canterbury tales references in it or something huh this is like a very obscure reference. This does not need to be in the episode. I need to find <laughs> it now. I don't know if it was deleted or something. I don't know. Or if I'm like misremembering it. I just remember like this like little animated short thing about the Canterbury Tales. So one day everyone is sitting around a bar and the knight goes, hey, I'm bored. Everyone agrees, but they can't think of anything to do. The priest then says he needs to go to a place called Canterbury. No one can think of anything else, so they all get on their horses and go there. On the way, the drunk guy starts rambling about great floods and farting on people. No one really gets it. Anyway, sorry, continue. <laughs> she canter my berry until I tails. <laughs> canter berry, barely, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I read Beowulf in high school. And I pretended to read Canterbury Tales. <laughs> um, I think I read one or two of what was assigned to us. I think we read uh, we read Wife of Bath and maybe The Knight's Tale. What classes were you taking in high school? This was actually like the basic class too. I, I got what bumped the- down from honors in my senior year. I was fucking reading fucking Ethan Frome. <laughs> Bill's Ethan from again? Uh, it's by Edith Wharton. It's about the guy who like went sledding down a hill and like the woman he was in love with died, <laughs> and he ended up with a limb. It's such a. It's actually I really love that book. I actually just bought myself a new copy. <laughs> okay. I'll uh, have to check that out. What's yeah, your favorite book that you read in high school for a class? Ethan Frome. <laughs> uh, mine is probably Great Gatsby. Now, what's the one that you hate the most? Probably something in my sophomore year of high school, just because I fucking hated my English teacher. I've <laughs> never quite hated a teacher like I hated her. First of all, she would always forget my name. Mm-hmm. And two, like she would just like be so hard on me for no reason. And I was like, why? Like I've never done anything <laughs> to like piss you <laughs> off. Like why are you being such a bitch? God. This old senile ass woman. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hated her. Something in her class, probably. I blocked most of that out. Yeah. The book I hated the most was fucking Farewell to Arms. Ernest Hemingway can suck my dick. I did go through a phase where I enjoyed Hemingway. I'm so sorry. Thank you. I still have, like, all those copies on my bookshelf. <laughs> <laughs> like, all those books. So, was it on this podcast that I made the joke? <laughs> the the six-word saddest story? <laughs> or it might have been, was it the after episode? Oh, I think it was. I think it was. Shit. <laughs> that that uh, joke is for people who pay us money only. Yeah. Check us out on Patreon. <laughs> <sighs> okay. <Anyway>. So, anyway. <laughs> we're on page, like, eight of this book. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's only been 20 minutes. <laughs> okay. They're checking now for their assignments. Allison has had this plan for herself for like a million years now. She's known she's wanted to study medieval literature for forever. And she's known that she wanted to attend this PhD program at Claymore University. She has known for a long time that she wants to work with this one very specific professor, uh, Wendy Francis. Mm -hmm. And so she learns that Wendy Francis has offered her a TA position. Mm -hmm. But Colin has also been offered a TA position with her. Yeah, so she thought that he was here to do like sci-fi theory things, but it turns out 
that between when they broke up two years ago and now, he has really gotten into medieval literature. He took a two-year break to travel over Europe, mm -hmm. and, you know, he was like, oh, this is the path I want to take now. Popping over to jolly old England and being like, oh, sir, sir, um, who's, who's the guy who slayed the, the green dragon in that motherfucker? <laughs> sir Gwaine? It is Sir Gwaine and the Green Knight. We don't have to leave this in, but I swear to God, every time I had to read any of the old English, I thought I was having a stroke. I could, like, <laughs> not... <laughs> do it also whenever i don't understand anything i'm like it's fine my first language isn't english <laughs> this isn't my fault <laughs> let me tell you i would like to ex extend a special thank you to stacy glimboski who narrated the audiobook i did not have to deal with most of that middle english oh yeah no i was trying to read it i'm like i don't get it i tried reading it out loud to see if that helped it did not <laughs> i need to have somebody do it for me after this startling news, Allison heads back to her apartment and we get to meet Sophie, who is her roommate and longtime friend. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about Sophie? She's okay. Yeah, I felt <laughs> the same way. Like, I liked her. But the, uh, it was a lot of telling, not showing with mm -hmm. her relationship with Allison. Because, like, all I really saw was them being distant and them like having little squabbles because they're both under stress and like her not wanting to tell Sophie that she's seen Colin Benjamin again. Yeah. While hearing like, oh, we're best friends, we're brain twins, aka autistic click. Uh, <laughs> and just, I wish I saw any of that, to be honest. Yeah, no, fully agree. I did enjoy their whole like worst case scenario thing mm -hmm. that they do. I thought that was very cute, very endearing. But yeah, I do I do wish I did see more of that dynamic that they claim to have, you know? Yeah. That would have been more fun because I feel like I would have really liked Sophie had I seen more of that. Yeah, yeah. And then we also meet my favorite character, which is Monterey <laughs> Jack the Corgi. <laughs> Monty for short. He is a very sweet little dog. Little guy. I love him. He's just a little guy. He's just a little guy. Little birthday boy. Yeah, so as you just mentioned, Allison does not tell Sophie about the fact that Colin Benjamin is back in her life. So Sophie was witness to the whole breakup. Uh, I know we don't really get into it until later, but do you want to just like cover up the whole breakup thing now? Yeah, I feel like I do really enjoy how information is like parsed out in this book. Yeah. You get a lot of like feelings before hearing exactly what they are or yeah. exactly where they come from. But yeah, I think that maybe we should take the opportunity to recount the major beats of their relationship the first time. Yeah, I think just like for the sake of discussion, it works that way. But I also did enjoy how we got just like bits of information a little bit at a time cool okay picture this in your brain it is allison's sophomore year of college you know she met this dude dancing up on him trapping him against a wall with her bodacious booty mm -hmm. i forgot why he like asks her out to coffee or something for some reason she tries to avoid him for like two weeks or something <laughs> and it turns out they're in the same class and i think he i feel like he just kind of asks her coffee let me see. No, not autism coffee. There we go. <laughs> Had to erase my older search for autism. 
<laughs> Star Trek Three: The Search for Ottoman. <laughs> she bumped into him again, and honestly, he just kind of goes for it. There really is no lead into it. He's he's just like, I really wanted to, to talk to you, like at that party. So I highlighted this part because I did think it was very cute. So she just bumps into him because she's like trying to answer texts and stuff and doesn't notice that he's there. He says, we really need to stop meeting this way. Humiliation slashed heat across Allison's cheeks. I'm so sorry. I can't believe I did that the other night. I had a little too much to drink and he held out a hand to interrupt. No, I'm sorry, he said. You ran off before I could say anything. I attacked you with my ass, she blurted out. (laughs) That was the first time she ever heard Colin laugh. It was neither melodic nor sexy. More like a bird squawking for attention, and it had turned her to mush. I just thought that was so cute. <laughs> I really like Jenny L. Howe's writing. Yes. I think she uses imagery very evocatively. Mm-hmm. Yes, I really enjoyed her writing. I think that's why I enjoyed it so much. Like More, more than like the plot or the characters, I just enjoy her writing. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was very cute. And so something about Colin that I noticed, like because I found myself like kind of digging him. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because she makes him like occasionally like so unsexy that it's like sexy to me, you yeah. know? <laughs> he's just some guy. He's just some guy. <laughs> he's a fucking dork. I gotta say, the more we got into this book and the more we learned about Colin Benjamin, I was like, this is just Oak Alexandrite. <laughs> Minus the golf. <laughs> it's just... I was like, oh boy, this is just us if we hadn't transitioned, aka Oak. <laughs> right down to the the boy plays the fucking banjo. <laughs> it's like let me let me read some of the lines here that I have I've notated as Oak. Big Oak energy. <laughs> yeah. Three, I play the banjo, yes. <laughs> Very true. Colin was older and charming and funny, and sometimes he'd shed his proverbial smart guy armor, permitting Allison small glimpses of the many other sides to him. The cat lover, the guy afraid of moths and other winged insects, tiny attack planes, he called them. When they dated, he even sometimes shrugged his sweater on after sex, shuffling around the room naked under his cable knit like it was a bathrobe. He'd admit once that it made him feel protected. The world can't touch me, he said. It can't leave a mark, as if wool could be a titanium shield. Uh, him enjoying, also enjoying a bunch of folksy rock bands. Like, <laughs> my God. I, Jenny, I will see you in court, frankly. <laughs> Infringement over one of my personalities. <laughs> Did Oak sign off on the rights to this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like Colin overall. Yeah. I think he's just a big fucking dork. Yeah, oh, 100%. 100%. I think we've had a male lead who has been such a dork before. Okay, maybe maybe Vaughn and Orin. <laughs> yeah. But it's different when you're gay. That's true. But yeah, I think he's the biggest dork we've had. Yeah. Maybe that's why I like him so much, because I'm a dork. <laughs> yeah. He's not your typical, like, romance book love interest hero. He's a guy. <laughs> he's just yeah. somebody, somebody you happen to meet who you really click with. Yeah, he's just some guy. Good for him. <laughs> for him. Okay, so yeah, let's get into their relationship. So they go out and then, you know, they just start hanging out and eventually they, they end up together. And a big part of their relationship dynamic was just how competitive the both of them are. And so the two of them would constantly be competing with each other, whether it be like at trivia or, 
you know, like school stuff or anything. And so there's an opportunity for Allison to win this Rising Star Award, which, you know, just looks great on applications and everything. But also it would have awarded her a $10,000 prize, which she and her family really needs. So getting into her family dynamic a little bit. Yeah, there was there was a lot happening there. Mm-hmm. Allison's mom, Cassandra, and her dad, Jed, split up a while ago. And before that, Jed was like kind of an asshole. Oh, kind of. Kind of. Jed fucking sucked. So Ethan is so much of an asshole that he's hilarious. Jed is so much of an asshole that he... Once again, we have a book that triggers my daddy issues. Oh, no. <laughs> Was the other one my pick too? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it on purpose. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Reading these books ahead of time, but only enough to know if there are daddy issues. In. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so apparently Jed had been horrible Allison's entire life, basically. And while in college, Jed started cheating on her mother a little bit and then divorced her. Which apparently was was just a long time coming. And she should have divorced him. Oh, for sure. I mean, just to get a bit more into Jed's assholery. Mm. He would just like make really fucking obnoxious comments about her weight. Mm-hmm. And do I think what bothered me more than anything was how passive aggressive he could be sometimes, like leaving diet shit around for her to stumble upon. Mm-hmm. And like just like shit like that where it's like, okay. It's one thing, I think, to be an asshole, like, directly. And then another, I think it's just that extra layer of, like, passive aggressiveness just really irked me. Yeah, and also, I will say that there are a lot of issues that Allison has around, like, food and her weight, or had around food and her weight at one point, are partly due to the fact that Jed would, like, serve these really fatty, starchy meals and then be like, you have to eat all of it in, like, huge portions. And it's like, yep. my God, and- who could, you know, Tim Robinson voice, we're all trying to find the guy who did this. <laughs> yeah. And like he would stock the kitchen with unhealthy foods. And then when there was like nothing else to eat, she would eat that. And then he'd be like, why are you eating that? Rah, 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 rah. Yep. Allison and her mom also just have a thyroid issue, which also yeah. makes it hard for them to lose weight. And, it, you know, it is mentioned that Allison like does try to practice healthy habits. Mm hmm. You know, but it's just like, regardless, it's like, bro, shut the fuck up. Like, he's such an asshole. So not only that, but he also constantly, like... Belittles her. Oh, yeah. And, like, also just doesn't care or even try to care about her passions and her interests. She obviously got into college and he didn't give a shit where he studied a trade. He's an electrician. And thought that, like, everybody should follow that same path where it's like, you know, why go into debt learning stupid shit about, like, dead authors when you could be, like, doing this noble work? Yeah, and, like, it's not like she got into someplace mediocre, some some place like, I don't know, Quinnipiac University in Connecticut. <laughs> she got into, into fucking Brown. She got into an Ivy League and he's like, whatever. Yeah. Something let's mention later on is him referring to the pandemic as like, oh, when that flu was going around. And I'm like, oh, this fucking guy. Yeah. Not only does the pandemic exist in the world of this book, which I was surprised at, to be frank. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But 
the fact that he is like i guess theoretically an anti-vaxxer and <laughs> i mean you have to assume by the fact that he's like oh, all those doctors were worrying about nothing interfering in everyone's lives i'm like wow jenny you really did a good job with making me really hate this fucking guy oh my god yeah uh, she like perfectly captured just some guy i would encounter at market basket who i would just <laughs> fucking despise <laughs> god damn oh i hated this guy no offense to jed just kidding fuck you you suck <laughs> <laughs> jed i hope you die frankly but yeah, like what you were saying before about Ethan, like Ethan just sucks in a way that's so absurd that it's hilarious. But Jed sucks in a way that's so realistic. It makes me just like hate him so much more. <laughs> yeah. God. Anyway, anyway. Fuck Jed. So when Jed and her mother got divorced, he, you know, married this woman, Paula, pretty much cut her and her mom off financially minus the shitty alimony payments. And he didn't just like cut them off. What it like blew my mind how fucking awful he was. Where he wouldn't help put his daughter through college, but then he gave his stepson enough money to put a down payment on a house. Yeah. So he just sucks. He has never shown any interest in any part of Allison's life. Nope. Anyway, so yeah. And Allison's mom is a waitress, I believe, right? yeah yes a yeah. waitress with also just she refers to it as her side business but it's really just kind of a little hustle where she'll bake things and sell it to friends and co-workers and stuff for events so it's not i like i wouldn't call that really like a job yeah like a side hustle you know mm -hmm. and so money has always been tight and so going back to that rising star award that ten thousand dollars would have gone a long way in terms of helping her mom pay the mortgage or like even school fees and all that and so colin was super supportive this whole time was just like yeah like you got this you know like you're gonna kill it blah 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 so she applies to it and lo and behold guess who fucking wins the rising star award after saying he wasn't going to apply for it who was it nicole um i'm gonna i'm gonna guess mm -hmm. colin benjamin what okay the fucking betrayal can we just like talk about that real quick? I I was like so angry for her. <laughs> it's kind of a lot. I mean, it's one thing if like they go into it knowing like, hey, we'll be competing yeah. for this. But he was with her this whole time being like, yeah, you're going to kill it with like not mentioning that he was going to apply for it or anything. So she was totally blindsided when this, I mean, like the rug was just like ripped from underneath her this was totally unexpected and so she avoided him for a long time and then at the christmas restaurant that unfortunately does not exist if it does somewhere jenny please let me know <laughs> we're in the same area i could visit this place if it's real <laughs> anyway so he shows up and she's like what the fuck why what what happened here you said you weren't going to apply for it and then all of a sudden you change your mind without telling me and then you won like i i needed that and he's like well did it ever occur to you that i needed it too and then he breaks up with her in this yeah. christmas restaurant to the tune of jingle bell rock okay wait no to the tune makes it sound like he's saying their breakup <laughs> to the, <laughs> the background music of jingle bell rock do 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 do
<laughs> so yeah, just God, the betrayal. And he said that he'd been thinking about it for a while. Basically, he's like, I can't have you distracting me. Like, I can't have anything holding me back. I need to do this alone. Yeah. Just, oh, it was so much. My life's about to start for real, you know? I can't be held back by anything. I have to make the right choices for me. Only me. I need to make those choices on my own. I need to be on my own. Alone. And that was it. And he basically left right then. Jesus Christ, Colin. He, like, could not have done that any clumsier. No. If he had, like, if he had sent her a text, it probably would have been better. Mm -hmm. And also when he was talking to her it was she even noticed it was very clearly rehearsed like he yeah. got over this he had scripted this which i think just makes it like more painful like bro you've been practicing this yeah but you know he's autistic so yeah, <laughs> i'm gonna give him that <laughs> but another thing worth mentioning this whole breakup thing is just the aftermath because she was devastated oh yeah the girl was shattered mm -hmm. where she ended up like i don't know if she like failed or just like didn't perform well in her classes so much so that she ended up retaking a bunch of classes during the summer and so I do want to say that it wasn't all because of her broken heart but also like he totally shattered her confidence mm -hmm. by like taking this award from her essentially yeah he does say later on that he assumed that she would apply for the award again and she never did like this fucked her up Mm -hmm. Plus, we got the daddy issues and everything with her always feeling less than and then this shit on top of it. And then him essentially saying like, oh, I won the way she interpreted it. I won this award. Also, you're holding me back. Deuces. <laughs> yeah. Like, damn, that's a lot. Just an insane way to end a relationship. Mm -hmm. Also, it's like I'm thinking back to him. My ass sophomore year of college, my hella depressed ass living off of cigarettes and Dr. Pepper. I this would have destroyed me. Yeah. Like, goddamn. I remember that year. Oh, that was, that was year. a bad time for both of us. It's a great year. <laughs> <laughs> I think I I think I smoked a couple of those cigarettes with you that year. <laughs> the only reason I'm still alive is because our our mutual friend Sam mm -hmm. would feed me chocolate chip eggo waffles. So I would consume three things, and that's Dr. Pepper cigarettes and then those waffles. So shout out to Sam for saving my <laughs> life that year. <laughs> oh, Sam. <sighs> what a good boy. Anyway. Okay. So that's the whole breakup situation. And so Allison is very hesitant to tell Sophie about Colin being back in her life. We, like, get into it more later on, like, once their relationship develops. But what was her initial reasoning for not telling her? I think she didn't want Sophie to like go ballistic and kill him or <laughs> give her some kind of lecture. This is why telling her best friend about Colin's reappearance need to be carefully planned. It would require time and chocolate and a good sangria, properly preset script. Save a line, Claudia. None of which Allison <laughs> had at the moment. Basically, she thinks that it would take too much effort to tell her right now because... <laughs> I don't know, her friend is busy and she doesn't want to burden her with this. It's really not very clear, but yet I kind of understood why, but I can't yeah. articulate it. Yeah, no, same. I think it's just, I mean, we see their relationship is kind of in a weird place right now mm. where Allison is in school full time in this PhD program and that's taking up, I mean, 
all of her time. Meanwhile, Sophie is trying to break into the fashion industry. She wants to design plus-sized clothing and start a brand that's very inclusive, so representative of, you know, fat people, trans people, queer people, like people of color, everything, which I think is a very noble endeavor because it seems like she's some kind of Latina. Yeah, I wasn't sure what what Sophie's race was. She was something non-white. Yeah, because later on, I think it was her last name that I was like, oh, that is Hispanic last name. What was her last name? It was something that was like very clearly Sofia Rosa Andrade. What was it? Sofia Rosa Andrade. Um, The audiobook narrator did not give it the appropriate (laughs) flair. (laughs) So yeah, so I'm like, very noble endeavor. That's why it's like, I feel like I would have really liked her had we seen more of their friendship, (laughs) like having real substance. Also, I gotta say, I was very thankful whenever the first time was that they specifically brought up needing to support trans women. Because, Nicole, I am so afraid that we are going to read a book and really like it and then find out the author is a turf. Oh, God. It's it's like my worst nightmare for this podcast. Mm -hmm. That and, you know, maybe... Portia Moore and Beth Cornelison come to my door and beat me up. Oh, no. <laughs> that's that's my other worst nightmare. I promise not to dox you on Twitter. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, no, very valid concern. And I do remember one of the times they mentioned something like that being when they're discussing, I think like topic, topics of discussion and authors worth worth discussing in these classes so they do mention like you know literary feminism needs to include like trans authors queer authors authors of color yeah um ethan has some shit to say too this fucking guy he's he's a cartoon villain he is yeah can we talk about the moment the moment that was like so realistically like a little too far (laughs) into real where he was like you just want to talk about her because she writes about fat women and I actually, I was I was playing Fortnite at the time, and, <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, you you did not, <laughs> which I mean is the same reaction that Colin has. Colin stands up and is going to fucking square up with Ethan. I know, I was like, Colin, you fucking dork, what's yeah, up? <laughs> honestly dreamy. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> what were we talking about? Oh, okay. So, yes. So, Sophie. So, she doesn't tell her. Yeah. Another thing that we learn early on is that fucking Jed is having some health issues right Mm, now. Yeah. His heart's an AFib. Yeah. So, you know, heart failure. (laughs) Yeah. His heart heart beats too fast and irregularly, I believe. Yes. And so, Allison's mom is, like, keeping her in the loop. She's like, oh, you know, like, you should probably like check in on him and all this stuff you know because he's your dad there's a lot i want to say about the relationship but i think it'll have to wait till the end yeah yeah so she actually gets an email from her father i don't think that's skipping ahead too much is it no i mean listen this book could have been shorter there is a lot of i'm not gonna say filler but there's a lot of character stuff and a lot of Mm -hmm. like things that are not necessarily gonna come up in this summary yeah But yeah, Allison receives an email from her father, which I want to read out loud. Mm. Allison, your mother tells me you're back in school. Something about an advanced degree. It didn't make much sense to me. But then, you know, my thoughts on college work's been the same busy. Paula is doing well, though. We decided that living together really didn't work for us. So she's back at her own place. 
I know your mother told you about my heart thing, but it's not something to worry about. Just a blip in the system. She's making a big deal out of nothing as usual. Good luck with the school stuff. If we don't talk before then, let me know if you're going to come by for Thanksgiving so I can plan accordingly. The last thing I need is to buy extra food for nothing. We know you have a hearty appetite. Jed. So many things to discuss. I want to like break this down. Yeah, go go nuts. First, Allison. No, dear. No, hey. No, hello. Mm-hmm. Just Allison. Like this is how you address your fucking employer. Your mother tells me you're back in school. Something about an advanced degree. Something about that. She's in a PhD program <laughs> after graduating with the highest honors from an Ivy League university. Yeah, just some kind of thing. Yeah. It didn't make much sense to me, but then you know my thoughts on college, belittling her and her accomplishments. Works from the same busy. Paula is doing well, the, his, his mistress. So <laughs> we decided that living together really didn't work for us, so she's back at her own place. So that didn't work out. Fucking asshole. I know your mother told you about my heart thing, but it's not something to worry about. Just a blip in the system. She's making a big deal out of nothing as usual. Women, am I right? Uh, it mentions later on that he's like the type who would be like, oh, these fucking women in their hysterics. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> Good luck with the school stuff. Again, she's in a PhD program. Motherfucker. If we don't talk before then, let me know if you're going to come by for Thanksgiving so I can plan accordingly. The last thing I need is to buy extra food for nothing. We know you have a hearty appetite. Passive aggressive as fuck. Then sign off. Jed. Let me know if you're showing up to Thanksgiving, fat ass. I don't want to have to take out a second mortgage on this home <laughs> so I can feed you. <laughs> like, what fucking <laughs> asshole. I God. hate this guy. <sighs> Terrible. This guy. I like, oh God, I, I want to hit him. <laughs> like, he sucks so Honestly. hard. Again, just him being so realistic. Like, he, he he's a real person who I can interact with just on the street. Yeah. And that just, mm, I don't like him. Jenny, who is Jed? Who hurt you? Yeah. Who do, whose house do we have to drive to? Yeah, dox them. <laughs> <laughs> dox, come on the podcast and dox them. <laughs> I guess we can get a little into the relationship. I do have a lot to say later on, but but I think it's worth mentioning a little bit since it's, you know, going to factor in before when big things happen. Yeah. But she does not have a relationship with her father when he was still more present in her life. And by that, I mean when he was still at that same house with her and her mother when she was still at home. Their relationship was strained and unhealthy. But now that he is as much out of her life as is possible right now, there is like no relationship there. Mm -hmm. And she does not have any kind of desire to reconcile or anything. It's mostly less like this is just the guy who donated his sperm to my mother. He is my father in biology alone that's it yeah and i mean sophie is right when she says he was abusive he yeah. is abusive mm -hmm. and like i'm glad that somebody said it and i'm glad mm -hmm. that allison had the incredibly natural reaction of like oh i don't want to call it that but like yeah yeah i know that me not wanting to call it that is is a form of like victim blaming and things mm -hmm. and like yeah we've been there honey yeah, I think it, like the two biggest things I feel like kind of elicit that kind of reaction are using the words abuse and trauma. Yeah. It's like the victims of these things are usually kind of like, oh, no, like I can't call it that because I feel it's also kind of just comparing your experiences mm. to others. It's just like, you know, well, Jed never beat her or her mother, you yeah. know, but it's like he still abused her. <laughs> yeah. 
and there is trauma there. And so we did see that she was kind of like uncomfortable with it. But then it's like, yeah, that is what it is. It's abuse. Yeah. Fuck Jed. Fuck Jed. Uh, I'm, I'm on team fuck Jed. Yeah. I'll put that on a t-shirt. No one's going to know <laughs> what it means. <laughs> Bring it to, to Jenny's next book signing. Yeah. Because I will be getting her next book. She has a n- new book coming out next year. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, for her. next year being like in a month. <laughs> oh, wait, at time of recording. She already has a book out. Oh. <laughs> On the plus side. Very cute title. Mm-hmm. Just 2023. Goodreads have anything more? Nope. I don't think her Twitter had anything either. Yeah. I didn't see anything on her TikTok either. I looked at her TikTok. Me too. <laughs> when you <laughs> mentioned it in our, uh, our our little chat, I looked at it. Jenny, I like your dogs. <laughs> <laughs> her and her first year cohort. So they have their whole like little clique, you know, other PhD candidates and everything. And they have their, I think, what is it, like a weekly or bi-weekly get together or something? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And so they kind of cycle between hosts and so this is their first gathering. It's like a very casual affair. The host, I think it's Kara. Very cute. Has like themed cocktails and everything. Um, or signature cocktails, I should say. I found it funny that, a little funny and also like a little bit mean that that Allison in the narration just dunks on her. She's <laughs> like, they had been grumbling about their coursework for the last 15 minutes. But when Kara, parentheses, who'd clearly Googled hosting a party online, close parentheses, <laughs> had entered the room brandishing her signature cocktail, she'd banned school talk. And it's like, don't, it's hard. It's hard planning a party. <laughs> it is. Oh, and then fucking, so the, 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 the signature drink here is like a starburst martini. And fucking Ethan, of course, is just like, do you have any scotch? And she's like, no, it was BYOB. He's like, well, scotch is in the beer. It's like, yeah, bring your own booze. <laughs> I bet Ethan doesn't even like the taste of scotch. He likes I- how it makes him feel. I literally had that noted down where it's like he's definitely the guy who doesn't like scotch but will order it because he thinks it makes him look sophisticated. Mm-hmm. And it just like fits that this like image that he's trying yeah. to have. I fucking hate him. <laughs> he sucks so hard. I had scotch recently. Uh, well, by re- oh Jesus, I mean six months ago. Oh Jesus, by the time <laughs> this comes out, I mean nine months ago. But- <laughs> But uh, I had some scotch and it was fucking terrible. It was awful. Yeah. Why would anyone do this to themselves? Honestly, the Starburst Martini also sounds horrible because of all the sugar in it. I'd have the worst hangover. My dear listeners, I had a couple drinks on Friday night. We're recording this on Sunday. (laughs) Now, I (laughs) I need to be be specific here so y'all can laugh at me. I drink only Tito's and soda because Tito's is like the only vodka that doesn't fuck me up for some reason. And by that, I mean like my stomach. I had Tito's and soda. I had three, three Tito's and sodas. And I spent all of yesterday recovering from a hangover. (laughs) There was like no sugar in that. And yet I was dying. And so imagine if I were to have three of these Starburst martinis, I'd be on the floor still. I'd be recording this from the toilet. (laughs) Like I just... I wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> Nicole, what do you think of this book? <laughs> <laughs> wow, I didn't think it was that bad. But, <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, so Star Wars Martinis. I feel like they sound great in theory, but I'm I'm good, thank you. I'll it probably my- mixed with too much vodka. Anything with martini is terrible. 
Yeah, I'm just thinking of all the juice in it because it has like orange juice and some other kind of juice. And I'm like, that's all that sugar? No, thank you. I'm like getting a headache just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so let's let's talk about these two truths and why here. Yes. Before we get into our, our favorite boys, <laughs> let's talk about, about Colin and Allison's. So Colin, his theme is music. I didn't know that you had to do themes for Two Truths and Lie, but it does make it interesting. Yeah, I was thinking that too. I'm like, I've never seen this. So his three options are, one, I've never been to a live concert. Two, I love musical theater. And three, I play the banjo. There is one thing I would like to note about option two. So his lie is that he has never been to a, a live concert. He has been to several with Allison, a bunch of folksy rock bands. <laughs> one had had a washboard player and everything. Um, <laughs> uh, my man. The second one. I love musical theater. Truth. Allison didn't let herself think about the time he had sang the entire score of Dear Evan Hansen to her while <laughs> Lane curled up in his bed and Nursing a murderous menstrual cramps. Oh, you know the best thing for you when you feel sick? A music about suicide. Waving through a window. <laughs> <laughs> like, why that of all musicals? I literally, I was driving. I went, why? They also mentioned the Providence Performing Arts Center, which I have been to a couple times. Mm-hmm. And I did, I saw Dear Evan Hansen there. <laughs> oh, God. Also, he plays a banjo. It took all Valison's self-control to not add badly to the end of his sentence. He used to practice in her dorm room while she was trying to study, strumming louder every time she'd beg him to stop. Also, our boy says, <laughs> our, our favorite boy, he says, obviously the musical theater one is a lie. Musicals are insipid. Oh my god, Allison blurted out. Those two martinis had obliterated her sense of etiquette. Who was mean to you as a child? <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> How can you not like musicals? Hamilton, Town, Waitress, Mean Girls, Les Mis? Okay. Hamilton? Sure. Town, Sure. Waitress? All right. Les Mis? My favorite? Mean Girls. Mean Girls is musical. so fun. Is it? Okay, so I saw the musical February 2020. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it was, like, the last big thing I did before everything went to shit. I saw it in Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say it's, like, a good musical, but it's fun. It was very fun. Okay. Okay. So it, it's one of those things where it's, like, worth seeing. <laughs> I, I can't talk. One of my favorite musicals is Groundhog Day, the musical. <laughs> it's so fucking good. Ethan tipped his chin up. Hugo's book is far superior. This fucking guy. And Allison says, Hugo's book is overwritten misogynistic tragedy porn. I'm not going to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Allison's theme is animals. Her first one, I've swum with dolphins twice. That was her lie. She'd only done it once when her aunt Janice took Allison and her mother to Hawaii for her mom's 40th birthday. I have a corgi named Monty, the most important truth. And a goat once followed me home from a petting zoo which was actually the first time that she and Colin kissed. They both tried to chase said goat, bumped into each other, fell on the ground, then kissed. And also the goat stole a bag of carrots and also her purse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that goat is a master criminal. <laughs> it's like goat played wingman and, you know, got his dues. <laughs> yeah, he, he took a fee. <laughs> 
Colin is initially like, uh, you don't have a corgi after not seeing her for two years. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, wrong, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'll tell you what Allison's three made up truths and a lie are for Ethan. First of all, <laughs> his initial topic is cartoons. And he says, I've never once watched a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> not even as a kid. I prefer documentaries. This fucking guy. Ah, oh, man. Love him. <laughs> he's just he's so ridiculous. Oh, uh, we're, like, people like this can't exist in real life. And if they do, I like want to meet one just out of curiosity, but I also don't know what I would do with them. God, <laughs> it's for like real? when you give me like a newborn baby, I'm like, what do I do with this? How do I hold it? That's how I would <laughs> react to a person like this in real life. So his topic ends up being hobbies. Allison made her own list in her head. One, mansplaining women's rights to women. Two, publicly hating everything popular. And three, kicking puppies. <laughs> and the real answers turned out to be so much better. One, he said dramatically, holding up a finger like they didn't know how to count. Grammar. <laughs> Wait, Mandy shook her head. How is grammar a hobby? I'd like to help people learn it, Ethan replied. Like tutoring? Allison admired Link's attempt to give Ethan the benefit of the doubt. Of a kind, he folded his arms over his chest. I like to help people make their social media posts clearer by pointing out issues with the writing. This guy sucks so hard. He could have just left it there, but he had to say, <laughs> he had to say that. Oh, brother, this guy sucks. <laughs> Two, Ethan went on, dressage. The thing with the horses? Colin asked. Ethan nodded. He dragged his hand through the strands of long blonde hair that had come loose from the knot at the back of his head. And three, more counting fingers. I play chess extremely well. Kara turned to Colin. You guess. Okay, wait. Before we reveal the answers, what did you think it was? I thought it was going to be the grammar thing. I thought it was going to be something like ridiculous. Okay, so the real answer is chess and I called it because <laughs> this boy, I can see him in my mind's eye. He played chess once and got his ass fucking handed to him. And he's like, this game's fucking stupid. <laughs> Which yeah. he says, I play checkers, not chess. It's actually more complicated in its simplicity. Yeah, sure, sure, Ethan. By the way, I believe you, you dropped something. Can you bend over and expose your underwear so I can pull it up over your head? <laughs> <laughs> fucking dork. <laughs> Jenny, where's the book on Ethan? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I want to like roast the fuck out of this guy. <laughs> like, he just sucks so hard. <sighs> I love to hate him. So do I. He's just great. <laughs> There's like a whole, you know, rest of the book here. But I mean, Ethan, really. Yeah. Welcome to Three Little Ethans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your host, Ethan. <laughs> And I'm Ethan. <laughs> and today. <laughs> okay, so at this party, Allison gets fucking drunk. Obliterated. <laughs> Just obliterated. And Colin also gets pretty fucking buzzed. And they both go out and sit on the porch for some air because they both got overstimulated, save the line, Claudia. And oh. they decide to talk. Colin asks, like, why she brought up the goat story. Because previously they had agreed no more bringing up the past. She says, I wasn't thinking about our kiss. It's just a great story and perfect for that game. You know how I like to win. Do I? Allison did her best to glare at him. It was hard to determine how successful she was when she could barely feel her face. Stop it. 
I'm serious. Colin squared his body so all his attention was honed on her. How am I supposed to forget the past? What if I... I... Then Allison cuts him off and says, You just do. Like this. Watch. Change the subject. At this point, I think it is incredibly clear that Colin wants a second chance. Oh, yeah, for sure. They sit and talk for a little while. Do you ever... His voice hit. Do you ever feel like you don't quite fit in? (laughs) (laughs) Your face. (laughs) (laughs) They declare a, quote, mild truce, which is basically that they stop being dicks to each other. (laughs) And Allison is, like, leaning her head on the bar of the balcony, and it slips and bangs her face into his face, and then he throws up. So actually, I want to talk a little bit about, you said it's like, it's very clear that he wants a second chance. Mm -hmm. Something, and I know we've talked about this in the past, about our leads here sometimes being aggressively oblivious Mm -hmm. to the other person's desires when it's like sometimes very clear. Yeah. Sometimes it borders on the main character just being stupid or I'm like you dumb bitch like do you not see that this person's clearly into you I found that I didn't have that problem with this because she I think more than any other character I've read in any contemporary romance novel that I've read recently she has like more of a reason to dislike this person than anyone and so even if it's like I don't think it's not necessarily her being oblivious, but her just like not even thinking that's a possibility because she's just like, fuck this guy. Like, no. Yeah. Like, nothing's ever going to happen here ever. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'll say I kind of feel like she was understandably so given her past, but I kind of feel like she was fuck this guy for a little too long. Mm-hmm. I feel like they were mostly like getting along and doing fine in some points and she was like, Oh, but fucking Colin Benjamin, the Rising Star Award. And it's like, I don't know, girl, at some point you gotta let it go. Like, I'm like, should I name another book? Yeah, fuck, I'm gonna do it. Okay. That's what we do on this podcast. That is true. (laughs) So I don't think I had really that problem with this because (sighs) one of the more recent books I've read, The Spanish Love Deception, had that but turned up to like a thousand. Okay. So much so where it was like, infuriating where I'm like I don't like this main character like she's just aggressively hard on this guy for no real reason like there was a reason but I'm like it wasn't nearly enough to garner like that amount of hatred you know Mm -hmm. she's much more justified in her feelings which is why I think it didn't like bother me at all really i get that there is a point in this book where it feels like i accidentally read the same quarter of the book twice in a way Mm -hmm. i feel like there's a whole big section that's just kind of a retread of the earlier sections but i'll I'll get into that in a little bit Uh let's talk about the ta ship okay they have this lunch with their professor wendy wendy yes also did you read the acknowledgments in the back of the book I did not, know. Wendy Francis is named after Jenny L. Howe's two PhD advisors. Oh. It was Wendy something and Francis something. That's so and it's cute. Like, yeah, that's very cute. I like I that. I love that. Odd. Hang on, let me, let me get the actual names so I don't call them Wendy something and Francis something. Wendy Peak and Francis Rasuka. Rasucha? Rasuccia? Rasuccia, I think. I think it's Italian. Oh, no, I'm such a bad Italian. <laughs> oh my god, embarrassing. 
So they have this uh, breakfast with with their professor. Allison is all kind of frazzled up from just feeling some Colin feelings. You know, him being in proximity again, even with their mild truce. By the time they'd returned to the table, Allison had sought her entire waffle into individual squares. On each, she'd piled one strawberry and a dollop of whipped cream. The uniformity was comforting. There was control in it. Order. Anyway. (laughs) No reason I'm bringing that up. Anyway, so Wendy says, I want to deeply apologize, but I am now realizing I do not have the time or energy to have two advisees under my belt for medieval lit. So I'm going to make you compete against each other. <laughs> this isn't <laughs> what she says exactly, but this is the, the sentiment. Just like, I really like to focus and like really, really work closely with my advisee and like write a paper with them but I can't do that for two people. I just can't. So before Thanksgiving break, I'm going to make my decision. And for the other person, I will help you find another suitable advisor. Yeah. We'll find a way to make it work. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. So, but like, it's very clear that she's not going to be like, all right, like, bye. Good luck. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She's going to help. So that's it. Goodbye and good luck. I don't recall saying good luck. And may the odds be ever in your favor. (laughs) (laughs) This puts them back in competition immediately after this truce. Immediately. And then, so here's the part where I was like, this feels like a huge retread, where a little while later in the book, she talks about how she just got like this grant to go over to Wales and talk about this uh, fucking Welsh book about King Arthur, the Metadogian, something like that. And it just felt like, oh, okay, just we're, yeah, we already are competing. I don't feel like these stakes need to be raised at yeah. all. It, it's the same stakes. Yeah. <laughs> now it's just like, oh, there's a, there's a trip too, I guess. Yeah, no, I agree. because it, it, it doesn't change anything. I just felt you could have cut 20 pages out of this book and not really lost much. I'm almost thinking it was put in there just to like remind us like, hey, even though they're getting closer, like, don't forget, there's mm. like still this competition happening. Fair, fair, fair. But, uh, but I agree. Like, I, I don't think it needed. I mean, it's like a realistic thing to happen. Yeah. But yeah, the stakes didn't need to be raised because it's like they're already there. Yeah. Like we already know what's going on. Yeah. On the subject of realism, I read a book recently, Third Person by Emma Grove. It's a comic about a plural trans woman. And there is a commitment to realism and like writing things down exactly as they happened in that book, which is good in a lot of regards, but also makes it a very frustrating read. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I speak for everyone here, but I feel like realism is only good to a certain degree. You know, like it is in the nature of real conversations to be repetitive and like kind of circular sometimes, but I don't want to read that, you know? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, no, that's valid. Yeah. It's like I live in reality most of the time, I think. (laughs) Nothing's real anymore. I live in Connecticut personally, but. (laughs) (laughs) Don't say that because Beth Cornelison and Portia Moore is one step closer to finding you. It's like in, in like spy movies where they have like the map of the US and it goes down to a square and then zooms in on that square. Enhance. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to like show like right through your window. It's like, that's her. That's the one. Take the shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Okay, so one thing I don't want to skim past is this very cute memory that Allison has of Colin and of Colin's freckles in particular. Oh my god, yes, I love this. He was like stressed out and laying in her lap and basically half asleep during finals. And she was kind of like just idly tracing his his freckles on his cheek. And she was like, I wonder if they make anything. And he was like, oh, I'll find out. And she took a eyeliner pen. I don't wear makeup. Eyeliner. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, she took some eyeliner and drew connections between his freckles. And on one side, she had found an hourglass. On the other side, a heart. They had stood side by side in front of the mirror above her dresser as Colin inspected her work. His fingers played lightly over the drawings, though his eyes, the yellow-green of leaves ready for autumn, had pinned to her. Time and love, he whispered. She'd smiled. In that moment, they thought they had plenty of both. Now, though, Allison knew it was the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, very dreamy. Yeah, I really like that. I think that's just such a... Apart from where he's like, ah, time and love, I think that's just a very realistic and cute, like, couple thing. Yeah. I don't remember what it's like to be in a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> it reminds... Have you read Questionable Content, the webcomic? A million years ago, I did read, like, a good chunk of it. Okay. But haven't looked at it in a very long time and also don't remember any of it. That's okay. the one with the coffee shop, right? Yeah. Yeah. Coffee shop <laughs> of a doom. That's, like, all I remember. <laughs> it reminds me of back when Martin and Dora were dating. Dora has this, like, unfinished tattoo that's supposed to be, like, demons fighting in hell or something. But she just has, like, a row of flames on her back because she couldn't afford to get it finished. Oh, my God. <laughs> and one day, Martin gets these, like, washable markers and draws the two of them, like, roasting marshmallows over it. That's what it makes me think of. That's very cute. Yeah. Also, I pulled it up on a tab here so I can... Mm -hmm. read it at some point <laughs> i need to catch up it's been like four years so that'll take me like three hours to get through <laughs> <laughs> it's all robots now it's robots? it's all queer and it's all robots huh <laughs> they leaned real heavy into both and i kind of love it <laughs> anyway so more of colin being a dork so hang on this is like when they're eating together is wendy not here yeah wendy isn't here because she had a cat emergency <laughs> yeah which relatable there had been a Thai restaurant the two of them had frequented while they were dating, and Allison always chose the pad Thai. Once you found a dish you'd liked, why branch out? That only led to regrets. Mew FOMO, if it were. So, Nicole, <laughs> what were you going to say about this, this passage? <laughs> so, Charlie, his grandfather, is a huge part of his life. Growing up, it was him, his grandfather, and his mom. His mom had him at 17. Yes, and so she, like, worked while putting herself through college and he would be watched by his grandfather as a kid. So he has dementia, but we also learn that part of the reason Colin made the switch to medieval literature because of Allison's influence, but also because of his grandfather. His grandfather is a fan of medieval literature, like even has a suit of armor in the corner of his library or home office or whatever it is. Good old, Ned. good old Ned. The only good Ned. Looking at you, Ned from Try Guys. <laughs> <sighs> oh, man. Didn't think that would ever come up on the podcast. So yeah, so Charlie and Allison were both like 
major influences in his decision to switch over to medieval literature from whatever he was doing literary fiction i think it was before something like that mm-hmm. science fiction mm. genre fiction the boy's into sci-fi Nerd. okay jenny if colin is into kurt vonnegut <laughs> i will see you in court <laughs> If if he's into Kurt Vonnegut, please tell me. I need to know. <laughs> For reasons. Just building up your case here, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. So yeah, so they're getting lunch or whatever at this restaurant. And I, I want to mention this part because I thought it was very cute. But they can see through the window and across the street, there's a theater showing a double feature of Jeepers Creepers and Jeepers Creepers 2. Oh my god, she bumped the window pane with her finger, pointing at the sign. Allison couldn't help it, she burst out laughing. Then she broke her own no-past rule, because they decided, or she decided that they would not talk about the past. Remember when we saw the second one? Colin scratched at the back of his neck, his expression sheepish. Yeah, but we aren't supposed to be remembering things. She ignored him. You sobbed at the end, so hard. You used all my napkins. (laughs) Yeah, it was a horror movie. Movies just... Colin blew out a loud sigh. They always wrap up so easily, everything fixed and perfect. Allison crossed her arms and sat back. More than half the cast was dead at the end of that movie. The body count was like 13. (laughs) Yeah, but the monster gets caught. There's a clear ending. Things get resolved. Horror movies were famous for doing the opposite of that, but Allison refrained from correcting him. She was not Ethan Windbag. She would not, will actually, Colin especially not when he was on the verge of sharing something he'd refused to talk about two years ago. You don't like happy endings? He pulled off his glasses and scrubbed at his eyes, his narrow shoulders bent inward. I think the problem is that I like them too much. No one gets that in real life. I like that about him. Me too, and I really like this next part too. Something in his tone tugged at Allison's center. I feel like that's the point though. Did you ever read Cinderella by Anne Sexton? At the end, she talks about how happy endings aren't life, that happily ever after doesn't leave room for living. Life keeps going, keeps changing. I always loved that. This idea that the true happy ending is the one that doesn't stop. I really like that. I like that. I will say that while listening to that part, I was kind of taken out of it because I was uh, I was down to being the top 10 in the game of Fortnite. I was being sniped bunch. You, but... you were 360 no-scoping some children. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, some children were 360 no-scoping me. (laughs) I hate to admit that. Also, you and I both find this quirk of Collins very charming, but you know who didn't? Hannah B. on Goodreads. Hannah? Who says, um, he (laughs) cries. In how much she doesn't like Colin Benjamin, she says he cries at the end of horror movies because he's, quote, so happy the villain was caught, which is not a direct quote from this book, I must say. <laughs> she, also, she also says he wears cardigans and nothing else. Yes, he is described as being buck-ass naked wearing only a cardigan. Picture this cardigan <laughs> dick out dog fart. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's Um, largely pretty damn mean in this review, actually. But, oh, man, if that wasn't fucking funny. (laughs) Also, looking at her profile, this woman has read 350 books this year. Oh, my God. Hannah, you got to take some time to absorb them. (laughs) (laughs) Hannah, you need to make some friends. (laughs) 
oh boy, Sexy Scrabble was not sexy, but came on, did you really think it was going to be? Oh, come on, did you really think it was going to be? I'm dyslexic. No, come, oh, oh, I suppose you did, since Allie Hazelwood calls it sizzling. But again, did you really think this was going to be the case? No. Wait, no, no come was guzzled here by Kylo Ren. There was sex, but it was vague, and he cl- and he climaxed off the page. And I also just didn't want to see him getting off, so I was happy it was basically closed door. <laughs> oh man! Oh my god! <laughs> does does Kylo Ren do that in in the what is what is it called the Imitation Game? He doesn't guzzle gum. <laughs> it's a, the love hypothesis. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> anyway, what the fuck were we talking about? I was just like scrolling. This is a long ass review. So long. This woman is nothing if not thorough. That's for sure. Oh, and then we get the email to her dad. Yeah. Oh yeah, she sends a response that day because she's so like pissed off at Colin because he's like, you know, I sometimes wish that we could move forward well it's not that she's like pissed at him but yeah he says but sometimes i he was whispering and she had to lean in to hear him i wish we could go forward instead and she's like so do i she doesn't say it but she's like so do i oh my god and then she's like oh shit i gotta go sophie needs me bye she doesn't want to deal with her feelings yeah so she's like super conflicted right now because it's like oh shit like she clearly still has feelings for him but he fucked her over and also they're in competition right now and she's like all right i can't be thinking about this and also my dad on top of it so let me just i can't address the colin thing now let me address the dad thing just so it's one less thing on my plate can i read the letter of course jed I know talking hasn't really been our thing, but if I'm being honest, that last email you sent hurt. It seems like all the life choices I've made disappoint you. Even if you don't care about college, I do, and I wish that was enough to make you try. This is my dream, and I'm doing it, and I've gotten this far with absolutely no help or support from you. Why do you think I would need any now? And for the record, this degree won't cost me or Ma a penny. The school's paying me to be here. After a lot of thought, I've decided I won't be coming to Thanksgiving with you and Paula. I also won't be writing for a while. Part of me feels like when you left Ma, you left me too. But that can't be true, because you were never really there to begin with. You've never been a part of my life. Maybe someday I will feel differently, but for now, I want space. That way you can make your choices, and I can make mine, and neither of us has to feel bad about it. Take care, Allison. I would like to say, I read this part a few days ago, so I didn't fully remember what was said. I remembered the vibe, but I didn't fully remember what was said. But the way her parents react to it, it feels as if she just wrote, hey dad, fuck you, I'm never talking to you again. Love, Allison. When this is so reasonable, mm-hmm. such a like completely reasonable setting of boundaries and expressing of emotions, like my therapist would be proud of this email. It's a good email. It's a good email. And her parents flip the fuck out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Her dad flips out and then proceeds to to have her mother flip out about it. Yeah, because like, how soon after? Does anything happen before? Like, they have another party. Yeah, there's another party. It doesn't really matter. They do trivia. It's cute. Also, uh, Allison had to bite her tongue to keep from reminding him that she Googled punctuation facts for fun. He used to mock her mercilessly for it. 
And so it's, you know, all of the first year folks and they're huddled together and they say, okay, it looks like we have 20 minutes to do two things, define feminist theory and identify points of controversy within it. Honestly, this is so simple. It's a joke. Feminist theory is hardly sophisticated, which is probably why so many people gravitate toward it. He shook a fist idly in the air. Women rock. Woo. Wow. Allison glanced at Colin and Link, failing to suppress the scorn in her voice or her face. Looks like Ethan doesn't need us for this. He lifted his broad shoulders in a shrug. She said it, not me. Then he yawned. Yawned. So they were like, okay, so what's your plan? He's like, we talk about Butler. I don't know how to say any of these names. Butler? Irgorai? De- uh, wait, wait. Debouva? Wait. De- it might be Debouvier. Debouvier? Debouvier. Yeah, Debouvier. <laughs> Simone. De boy voyeur. Yeah. I'm sure she was. <laughs> Dude, Link said, shaking his head. That list's a little bald, don't you think? What about Roxanne Gay, Kimberly Crenshaw, Julia Serrano? Allison counted each one off on her fingers. We're doing race theory later and queer theory too. He shot a look at Link, the one gay black man in the room. Link deserved a Nobel Peace Prize for not punching Ethan in his already crooked nose. <laughs> Allison wouldn't have been able to restrain herself if he'd looked at her with that much subtext. And she says, first of all, you might want to check your white masculinity. It's leaking all over the place in here. Secondly, obviously, Butler and and De Bouvier or whatever are important. (laughs) But you can't talk about feminism without considering the importance of intersectionality. Then Ethan says, why do you care? You have no interest in the complexities of theory anyway. You're all into literature. The point of literary theory is to apply it to literary works, Colin said. No? For a literature person, maybe. Every time Ethan said the word literature, it sounded more grotesque, as if he'd eaten something raw and accidentally swallowed it. I'm more interested in pure theory, in its many intricacies. Oh. I fucking hate this guy. <laughs> he sucks so bad. He sucks it's so bad. Like, dude, you were in a PhD program for English lit. What the fuck are you doing here? What I need to know what his specialty is. What he he must say it at the beginning. And being a douche. He just doesn't say. Is is he even in this course? <laughs> there he's like trespassing every day (laughs) nobody ever asked him (laughs) yeah i mean i have to assume that uh he's there for no reason he reads only ben shapiro books oh god (laughs) oh he would i'd like to get every side of the political issue oh my god i think it's great that elon musk bought twitter he is finally doing free speech correctly Oh my god, I hate him so much. <laughs> it's the worst. I think I made him too realistically annoying. <laughs> Never mind. No, that, one, gonna, that one hurt. I'm gonna walk it back. That 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 one just hurt. That made it painful. <laughs> cool. Oh, we have here where Ethan is like, you only want to talk about gay because she writes on fatness. Allison had to sit on her hands to keep from doing something she'd regret. What does that mean? Ethan looked at her blandly. Well, you're... F- you're absolutely not going to finish that sentence. Colin was on his feet, his hands balled against the tabletop. His height drowned Ethan in his indolent expression and shadow. And then, of course, uh, Allison says, you know. I do love her reaction to her response to that. 
Oh, she doesn't actually say this part to him, but the important thing that the book says is fat was only an ugly word if you let it be. Which, like, yeah. Yeah. As the weeks go on here, Allison finds herself, like, reaching out and talking to Colin more and more, just in a friendly way, which I think is very sweet. Every day, things with Colin became a little muddier. Since Mandy's party, he'd sat next to Allison in every class, and his chair in Wendy's lecture seemed to inch closer to Allison's every meeting. Last Thursday, their elbows had butt against each other the whole class, and neither of them had moved. He was texting her regularly, too, and once, in a fit of panic, she'd reached out to him when she overheard Sophie on the phone doing what sounded like an interview. It had been like a reflex, her fingers finding his number, typing out a message, as if he'd always been her emotional support contact. Allison is in, like, a little secret corner of the library and gets a call from her mom. Colin shows up and is, like comforting her and in the past Colin was never really one for confrontation but like we saw that with Ethan and then he was like never really one to also comfort her really Mm -hmm. but here he is you know offering a shoulder for her to cry on after this shit show of a call with her mother yeah where you know of course they talk about the letter and how oh you don't want to have any regrets honey And how her mother essentially, like, scolds her for setting boundaries that are yeah. very healthy, but whatever. But, like, oh, God, this is it's just so fucking relatable. We can get into that later. Yeah. Oh, and she just cries on him. Yeah. Which is very sweet. Oh, there's that one part with the porn. Oh, yeah. He certainly does turn on some porn. <laughs> They're in class. They're sitting in on their professor teaching? Is that what's happening? Yeah, and she mentions a text that neither of them have read. Yeah, the book for the the trip. Yeah, and Allison's phone is like hiding somewhere like under a table with like her bag or something. And she doesn't have a laptop, which I'm like, girl. Yeah. It's 2022. Get yourself a laptop. Chromebooks are like $10 (laughs) because she has a desktop. She says she has a powerful desktop computer. I'm like, does Allison have a gaming PC? (laughs) That's what I was thinking too. I'm like, you know who has powerful desktops? Me. You. You know what we do with it? We play Fortnite. (laughs) Yeah. Allison, what's your gamer tag on Epic? (laughs) She wants to look up this text. And so she is like, hey, Colin, can I borrow this for a second to his laptop? And he's like, no. And they're kind of just like wrestling this laptop away from each other. And and she's like just kind of squeezing in, trying to, to type while he is also. And I guess they accidentally like deactivate an ad blocker. And then a pop comes up. With very loud moaning. A deep moan of satisfaction exploded from his speakers at full volume. (laughs) (laughs) Allison and Colin froze, their faces twin flames of embarrassment. A commercial for a porn site filled up the screen with writhing limbs and close-ups of plump parted lips and the curves of cleavage and asses. Bad music mixed with guttural screams of yes, 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 and over-exaggerated groans of pleasure engulfed them. The entire class went quiet, and as the ad played on a loop, each iteration seemed to grow louder and louder. <laughs> Performative sex in surround sound. Oh my god, turn it off, Allison hissed. <laughs> and her fingers fumbled with the touchpad while, while Collins flapped around her. Anyway, the, the teacher later is like, that was funny. <laughs> it is very funny. Yeah. She's like, yep, uh, I think that Chaucer would have appreciated it. Allison says, or ask you to increase the volume. (laughs) Chaucer, baby, I can't increase it anymore. It is at full blast. (laughs) (laughs) Also, in this same chapter, 
They mentioned Allison having PMDD, premenstrual depressive disorder. Yes. I think this is the only book that we have read in which periods are mentioned and not for a pregnancy reason. Yeah. Eight Kinky Nights, they mention it. Do they? Yeah, because she likes to like curl up in her. I, oh, was it? Was she just tired? Or was it her period? I think she was just tired. They're both okay. like over 50 or near around 50. Oh, right. I mean, I guess you can still have your period that late. That's like, yeah, that's like menopause. I think that's why my mom started having menopause is like at 50. But anyway, I do think it is actually the first time. Again, and not like, oh my God, I missed my period. I'm pergonante. Yeah. So Allison. I have a lot of thoughts here too. Yeah, I see your face <laughs> and I, I think we're about to have the same thoughts. Yeah. So it's Allison's turn to host this like get together for her like grad group. And she has it at her house. And one, purposefully does not invite Colin. <laughs> and two, she has this whole like thing planned where she got all this like cocktail supplies and she made this whole like murder mystery game, which is very cute and ambitious. Also, <laughs> like, you know, you kind of dunked on Kara a little bit for, <laughs> for doing this, <laughs> you know. And then she comes downstairs from somewhere. And she finds that Sophie is actually having a party, like, right now, with her, like, fashion friends. And they have already, like, drank all of, <laughs> all of her alcohol, eaten all of her snacks. And Sophie's like, don't worry, we brought, we brought more alcohol. It's, like, five cases of Bud Light. Bud Light. Yeah. Like, by name, Bud Light. <laughs> and Allison is, is pissed and tired about it. Then her grad friends show up and they have a great time. And she's even more upset about that. Had <laughs> she had this whole evening planned out and everyone's just happy drinking Bud Light and talking with Sophie's friends. <laughs> and it's like, if that ain't a mood. So she uh, has six Bud Lights. Like, my God, that's almost one full drink. I would be burping my ass off. <laughs> For real. I would fuck up my stomach. Yeah. But also, she's 23. I mean, I was 23. I could really house them. You really I'm 28 could. now. And as I mentioned before, I had three Tito's and sodas and needed a full business day to recover. <laughs> <laughs> she gets pretty drunk. She goes out onto the porch and just kind of sits there and like decompresses because everything is a little overstimulating and she's angry. And who should walk up but Colin Benjamin, a man who was not invited to this party? The audacity. <laughs> yeah. He's like, uh, what the fuck? Question mark? Also, he's described in real Slender Man vibes here. <laughs> Less than a block away, Colin stood in the dusky light thrown by the, <laughs> the nearest street lamp, his height rivaling his shadow. <laughs> just like, just <laughs> off in the dark distance under a lamp. <laughs> like... <laughs> I do want to get into the party real quick mm -hmm. because that shit had me heated. I was yes. so fucking Sorry, mad. I, I glanced right over that. <laughs> oh, Let's talk fine. about this party betrayal. Oh my God. Because like, okay, it's one thing for like her guests to have more fun with this impromptu nonsense to happen. But I think what really pissed me off, and I don't think they ever addressed this. I don't think any apology was ever issued was the fact that clearly a lot of effort had gone into planning this night. She said she spent like 80 bucks. Which, like, 
on a college student's salaries. Like, you know, mm-hmm. that's a lot. Because I think it was said that she was being paid 30 grand a year by the school. She lives in Providence. That's fucking mm-hmm. expensive. 99% of her income is going to rent. And she spent $80 on all this shit. And then they fucking housed it and then replaced it with Bud Light. I can get a 50,000 pack for seven <laughs> cents. Like, that's not equivalent. I think that pissed me off more than anything was just like the money thing. I was like, yeah. what the fuck? Like, that's this, this, these, this is not equivalent exchange here. Yeah. This, this is shitty. Yeah. And I, but the thing is, like, I also don't think she ever mentions to Sophie that she was upset about that. That hurt her feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I would have been fucking heated. Yeah. Later on, she talks about like the many silences she's made herself endure. But she doesn't list this one. Yeah. Really. She lists like, oh, I didn't tell Sophie about Colin. It's like, how about you tell Sophie about how upset it made you that her guests like ate all of your shit and drank all of your shit and you were never consulted about like joining these two parties. And like very presumptuous of Sophie because all Allison said was that she was having people over. And the way me as a person with a brain I would be like, oh, she's having people over, which means I should probably stay out of the way. Yep. Because also, if I live with somebody and I wanted to throw a party, I would say, hey, how do you feel about throwing a party? Yeah. It's not something I would decide on my own. Just insane roommate behavior. Yeah. So like, again, it's like, I feel like I could have really liked Sophie if she didn't suck so hard. (laughs) Yeah. We got a very narrow selection of times to work with Sophie, and most of them suck. Yeah, so Colin's outside. Her phone has been, like, off this whole time or something, and she realized that she's had a bunch of, like, missed calls and messages from her mom. She answers a call, and she's like, you need to get over here now. Your dad's in the hospital. It's not looking good. He might not survive the night. Yeah. So she's in Providence, and they're in someplace in Maine, which is four hours away. Mm-hmm. She's also fucking obliterated from the, what, six Bud Lights she had? Yeah. At least. Girl drank an entire six pack. So she can't drive and she knows she can't drive. She's like, I don't fucking know. She's like, I'll take a bus or like an Uber or something. And Colin's like, that'll cost you a million dollars. And he says, I'll drive you. And let me tell you that, like, the forced proximity thing gets me every time. I love that shit. (laughs) We know. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, yes, this is so good. I really like that it's wrapped up in a dreamy thing, too. It's not like forced proximity by someone else. Yeah. By chance. It's like he's specifically offering something and she is specifically taking it. Yes. It feels good. I really liked this. Oh, it's so good. He did not have to do this at all. And yet he did. I love him. Yeah, he's a good boy. He is a good boy. He's a good boy. Who else was I calling a good boy like that? Was it Vaughn? Probably Vaughn, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They drive up to Maine. And let's talk about the highlights from these conversations. They were eating donuts. Your girl loves a donut. She certainly does. Did Colin and Allison date during the pandemic? She had won spelling bees and writing contests and academic bowls and earned a 4.0 every quarter. Even her awful junior year of high school that had been mostly online. Is this in the future? That had been mostly yeah. pandemic. So wait, 
she's a junior in high school in let's say let's say she started her junior year in 2020 that means that right now she would be in her freshman year of undergrad which means in three no four years from now this this book takes place in 2026 jenny does this book take place in 2026 <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i can't i don't know i just work here so let me get this straight in 2012 she's 10 years old she was born in 2002 2002 but that math doesn't really line up it's 20 no that would be 2025 that still that works basically so 2025 or 2026 oh my god we're in the future <laughs> what if there was just like a single paragraph where <laughs> where colin's like yeah my aunt's flying car <laughs> <laughs> This goes completely unmentioned otherwise. President Musk. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Terrible. Gross. Okay, so we're in the car. Okay, yes, we're driving up to Maine. The first big confession that we get in the car is that Colin didn't actually take two gap years to go and, and gallivant across England. <gasps> he took two gap years... Because the boy didn't get into any PhD programs. Oh my god. Yeah. I feel so bad for him. Yeah. He clearly worked so hard and then just kind of got nothing. And like, especially because, I mean, clearly he worked hard, but he did everything like very textbook where mm -hmm. they basically told him your application is as basic as it can get. <laughs> <laughs> he had initially told her two years ago when they broke up, that he had applied for the Rising Star Award because his advisor thought it might be good on his final like PhD application that year. What he didn't tell her is that his advisor didn't actually advise that. And he did that on his own as a last ditch effort to make one of those schools change their mind, which they did not. And the reason that he broke up with her is that he couldn't face telling her that he was a failure. And he thought that his failure would like rub off on her. Yeah, it's just the saddest shit. It's so sad. Earlier in the book, Colin mentions seeing a therapist shortly after his grandfather got diagnosed with dementia. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, he says, just let loose whatever's on your mind. That's what my therapist has me do when I'm feeling super emotional. You see a shrink? As usual, the words had more control over her mouth than Allison did. Colin snorted. Jack would say that he does not have the right degrees to properly be called a shrink, but yes, I started seeing him this summer after Granddad's dementia got bad enough that we actually had to move him to a facility. Oh, right, right, right. Yes. I would like to say, one, this is not a Zoomer response to somebody mentioning that they have a therapist. From the shit I've seen, Zoomers, especially Zoomers in like fucking grad programs, would be like, oh yeah, yeah, of course you have a therapist. Secondly, if anyone in this story needs to see a therapist is fucking Allison. <laughs> Allison, fucking see a therapist. You have so many issues. Girl, just, you, you gotta, you gotta see a therapist. You just gotta. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of like the whole you see a shrink thing as more of a you as a white man. True. <laughs> like willingly go see a therapist. Yeah, I think this is <laughs> only one of... Two male characters we've seen who have had therapists. One of four in the grand total of our entire podcast. Jesus. One is Oren, who basically has to be there regardless of whether or not it's helping him because he has been hospitalized multiple times. 
two and three were Bev and Jordan. I'm sorry, not Bev and Jordan. Jesus, Bev probably doesn't see therapists. Uh, <laughs> Leah and Jordan, who, you know, are just people who are pretty smart with their mental health. And now Colin, but for some reason, not Allison. Yeah, girl needs therapy. Girl needs therapy. Go to therapy, everybody. I say that as somebody who doesn't go to therapy. <laughs> girl, you should go to therapy. Girl, I know I need therapy. <laughs> I know we, we talked about Colin, but I do. I just want to read this bit where he says, you know, that he broke up with her for her. Mm. I wanted to make sure you won. Won what? Everything. I wanted you to have everything. He shook his head. No, I wanted you to get everything, to take it the way you ought to, the way you deserved. And I was afraid... I was afraid you couldn't do that with me hanging around, that maybe all this failure of mine was contagious. I didn't want to infect you. I figured junior year, free of me, free of everything, you'd be able to apply to the rising star again and win for sure. And she says she didn't apply again. And he's like, why? She said, I just didn't. And it was because her loss like fucked her up so bad. Yeah. Like, Jesus. It's like painful to see. And, like, not only did he get rejected that first time around, he got rejected for a second time. Yeah. Not even, and Brown wouldn't accept him either. Brown, where he did his undergrad. The biggest of oofs. Just, oh, God. Also, going back to our favorite boy, <laughs> where he mentions how he apparently got accepted into, like, eight PhD programs, including Brown. At like, Brown, Yale, Harvard, Stanford. Stanford. Like, four of them are Ivy Leagues, and he chooses Claymore? He's he's full of shit. Yeah, he is a liar. (laughs) Oh, for sure. He did not get accepted into any of those. I bet Claymore is the only place that accepted him. Mm Mm-hmm. I bet that he had his mom call all of those places to fight for him. 100%. So we actually learn here that... Colin's aunt is on some kind of board or something. I think they leave it ambiguous right now. I think we find out for sure what she is later on. Mm -hmm. But she has pull at the school, essentially, at at Claymore. But he says, and she's like, oh, I can pull some strings. And he says, no, because if I don't get in on my my own merit, like, what's the point? It doesn't count. Yeah. So that was him. But Ethan, for sure. For sure. (laughs) Had had somebody pull some strings or (laughs) donate, like, a building to the school. (laughs) Oh, God, I bet his parents are rich. Oh, God, they definitely are. <laughs> and he's probably just like, why are poor people poor? Like, just work harder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a dick. <laughs> Stop buying Starbucks and avocado toast every day and maybe you could afford a house. <laughs> <laughs> he also brings up a conversation that they started in class about the Knight's Tale. Where he says that he feels that she is being too cynical in her interpretation. He says, I think there is something more complicated going on there. I think the knight or Chaucer is exploring or possibly even celebrating the messiness of love, not criticizing it. Love's confusing and unpredictable. It ebbs and flows. You can think you're over it and then all of a sudden, wham, your world's upside down. Heaven is hell and hell heaven. Paradise is a prison and vice versa. She says... You're better at this medieval lit stuff than you think, Colin. So could you please, please stop using me to prove that to yourself? Colin held up a pinky, his eyes not straying from the road. Promise. She hooked her finger into his. Neither of them let go. Aww. I thought that was very cute. They're very cute. And they continue holding pinkies for a while. Also, I think she passes out at one point in the car. Oh yeah, she for sure just like conks out. 
<laughs> for like 40 minutes. Yeah. I mean, it's been a long it's been a long day for her. Also, she's had a lot to drink and I know mm -hmm. after I drink, I just want to like gut, you know, like just yeah. die on my bed for a good 15 hours to 7 <laughs> days. When I have weed, I want to immediately go to sleep. Oh, really? It depends what strain I have. I yeah. usually just get like real fun. I'm like, I want to play Fortnite and be bad at it because I have lost all cognitive thinking skills <laughs> and don't know how to strategize. So they do eventually get to Maine. First of all, did you notice that Colin is uh, described as, as elven or fairy-like multiple times? Yeah. Yeah. I also know that Hannah B noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, as somebody who was in love <laughs> with Legolas... As a child, I think I told you this, um, but I, I was in love, in love with him. I printed out a picture of him and slept with it under my pillow. Oh my God. I posted about this on my story on Instagram a while ago, and my elementary school best friend, Tania, commented and she said, I remember this. <laughs> I'm like, see, like, this is true. This is real. <laughs> she remembers. <laughs> oh, man. So they pull up to the hospital and they park. And Colin's like, do you want me to, to like come in with you? And Allison says like, no, it's okay. I can do this myself. Thank you so much for driving me. And he's like, okay, I'll drive back to Providence now. And <laughs> bye. <laughs> yeah. She's like, you really do not have to do that. You can like stay at my mother's place. And he says he's fine, but he just wants to make sure that she is also fine. I'm not, Allison thought to herself. I am, she said out loud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he notices that he is like saved and her phone is unknown number, which I yeah. think is cute. He's like, nah, keep it that way. <laughs> it's funny. He says that there's like a personalness in, in its anonymity. Yeah, the anonymity is ironically more personal. Yeah, there we go. She starts to get out of the car. He takes her hand and like gently kisses it and she kisses him real hard. When he lifted his head to peer at her, his gaze was full of fire. It ignited something in Allison too. The two of them crashed together. It had been over two years since the last time Allison had kissed Colin and, in, and every one of those moments was tainted by the way things had ended between them. And yet she'd expected this first kiss to be familiar, like an old book she hadn't read for a while, the story returning as she followed it again. Instead, their kiss had the electricity of something new and surprising and a little bit forbidden. His mouth was hungry and urgent on hers, his hands tangled in her loose waves. The collar of his t-shirt was bald in Allison's fist. If only he'd get closer, press himself against her. He tasted like powdered donut and smelled of coffee and hair gel. And it was like kissing a stranger Allison had been dreaming about for too long. And then, and then she breaks the kiss and she's like, I gotta go. Bye. <laughs> but also, I loved this description of really the kiss. It was really good. I love her writing, honestly. Mm -hmm. Again, like more than the plot, more than the characters. I just love the way our girl Jenny writes. Yeah. Also, oh, you did say, I did want to do a little correction because you said he kissed her hand. He kissed the inside of her wrist, which I think is just like, I don't, something about that just like so, like so intimate. It's true. It's like, very, oh. very intimate spot. That that got me. I highlighted that because I was like sweating. I'm like, that was that's mad romantic shit like i don't know i don't know so she goes into the hospital jed is unconscious damn all right <laughs> uh god yeah he's alive he's just unconscious yeah don't worry listeners <laughs> his heart rate is going insane it's like 140 apparently it was higher before 
So she and her mom have this talk about what they're going to do. They need to shock his heart. These meds don't work. It's routine, but not great. And there's nothing they can really do at this point. Until then, her mom is going to stay there and she can go back and sleep at their house and come back in the morning. So she's like, okay. And she leaves. And in the waiting room, there's some guy there. (gasps) Who could it be? Only once he wasn't vacant, the occupant slouched near the exit with the cell phone angled close to his face. Its blue light painted the maroon frame of his glasses a searing red, and his knobby ankle crossed over an equally knobby knee to expose a pair of white cat print socks bounced nervously. So Colin is here. Colin decided to just come inside. (laughs) She asked what he's doing here. He smiled sheepishly. I wanted to see how your father was. Her mom still doesn't really know his name. She calls him Cody and Glasses Boy. And Colin's like, yeah, that's fine. And he offers to take Allison home so that her mother doesn't have to drive her. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, oh, you know, I'll drop you off on my way home. And so her mom's like, where's home? He says, outside Providence. Nope. She shook her head. You're not driving four hours at two in the morning. I'm sure Allison will appreciate the company since I'll mostly be here. How about if you go sleep for now and we'll fight about this in the morning as to, like, you know, when Allison will come visit and everything yeah. and her mom skipping out on work to hang out with fuck-ass Jed. Mm-hmm. And so now Colin is going home with her. Mm-hmm. Also, forgot to mention that they brought Monty with them. Yeah, they brought the dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good boy, Monty, my little baby boy. (laughs) So she starts thinking about sex with Colin ever since this kiss, like all throughout this ride back home. The night Allison first had sex with Colin could have been ripped from the pages of a movie script. There were rose petals and soft candlelight and a fancy hotel room in Newport, and they had been in their formal wear after a posh Christmas party thrown by the father of one of Colin's roommates. He pulled her close, his mouth angling over hers, his hands grasped, Allison's waist, his legs nudging hers apart while she clutched at the ends of his unwound tie to draw him in. For it felt like ages they'd remained on the small balcony, each kiss longer and deeper, each touch more urgent. They took their time that night, learning each other's bodies slowly and thoroughly. Allison hadn't been a virgin, but when Colin kissed her out of her dress, sliding his mouth down every inch of her body until she lay before him in nothing but her red silk panties, and the heat tinting her cheeks a similar shade, when he pulled those panties down and settled his mouth between her legs, it had been a first for her. Whew. I will say, dear readers, I do I do like that description. That is an omen of what is to come from this sex scene. Yes. My God, spoilers. Sorry, shit. <laughs> Sorry, there's no fucking in this book. <laughs> no fucking. Not in my Christian household. <laughs> so they can't really sleep. So instead, they decide to play Scrabble. What do you think of this scene? I thought was a little corny but I, yeah. I still ate this shit up <laughs> yeah it was it was good i liked that it was corny in a lot of ways you know yeah so colin's first word which he gets 66 points for for the record he uses all of his titles Damn, good for him he puts down regrets no regrets no regrets in response allison builds off his tea and says tough and he tries to put down lear l-e-a-r which is not a word and she calls him out for that not being a word And even if it was King Lear, that's not allowed either. So instead, he puts down K-I-S-S. What does that spell? Kiss. (laughs) Kiss. Also, so, Allison, she sees that and she's like, (laughs) 
We've already kissed tonight, but using those letters to spell out yes felt much more definitive, a choice rather than a whim. She puts down the tiles very carefully one by one. Y-E-S. She meant every letter of it. The tiles flew across the carpet as Colin scattered the board. He moved toward her on his knees, stopping just shy of physical contact. Then he hovered over her, his hands braced to the floor so close Allison could practically feel them on her skin. Though he said nothing, the look on his face was as expressive as any poetry. He wanted this. He wanted her. Really good. I love that. Honestly, I love tossing the board aside. Right? Ugh. I love just like when you're just caught up in the heat of the moment and you're like throwing shit off the desk or the tables or whatever. Just to, ugh. <laughs> Nicole, what did you think of this sex scene? <sighs> yeah. I thought it was well written. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. But as you have said on this podcast before, I just want straight up porn. <laughs> I kind of thought that this sex scene was like such a tease. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like just graphic enough where it's like, okay, it does st- score steamy points with us. Yes. But it wasn't enough, you know? Like, give me more. Yeah. Let me read a couple of passages here. Okay. They barely made it to the second floor before he leaned Allison against the wall, pressing a hungry kiss to her lips. His tall, thin body curved around her as if she were a magnetic force pulling him in, and his warm hands skimmed up the back of her legs. As they brushed against the lacy edge of her underwear, Allison angled herself more tightly against him until she could feel his hardness press into her hip. She couldn't fight back the sigh at something. She wanted the chance to be what she once pretended they were, and she wanted this, Colin's long fingers finding the most sensitive parts of her, his soft lips exploring her skin like it was a thing to be worshipped. She leaned back to look him in the face as he eased her sweater off her arms. Hi, he whispered. Hi. The word was barely a rush of breath on her lips. Okay, he asked, starting to bunch the hem of her dress in his hands. Allison nodded, no more room for her words. The fabric was soft jersey cotton, and with each inch Colin crept it up her body, her skin tingled. By the time it was a puddle on the floor, she felt seconds from exploding. Caging his neck between her arms, she kissed him deeply as she joined him on the bed, locking her legs on either side of his hips. His fingers hooked in the lace corners of her panties, tugging at them like an obstacle he needed removed. Allison ground against him in response. She was too aware of the countless layers acting as a barrier between them. Those panties, his jeans, whatever was beneath his jeans. Her hands dropped to his belt, fussing with the buckle. Also, we get one of the few uh, instances of a condom being used on this podcast. Um, Also, where did he get this condom from? Yeah, he just said, let me get a condom. And I've been thinking about this. (laughs) Okay, the most likely answer is that he had one in his wallet like an idiot. You're not supposed (laughs) to store them that way. The other option. No, Colin never visited this home before. The only other option is that they have never mentioned it, but Colin clearly has a small messenger bag that he carries around. <laughs> Look at the boy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And he obviously keeps his condoms in there because when you have a messenger bag and you look like Colin, you fuck constantly. <laughs> <sighs> Jenny, please let us know where this <laughs> condom come from. Did he? Does he always have one on his person, or was he just being super optimistic when he went to stop and buy the donuts? Did he also in the Dunkin' Donuts buy a condom? <laughs> okay, but wait, 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 the too optimistic thing. A couple of options for you. 
Okay. He drops okay. Allison off. He goes to a convenience store because he just kissed Allison. He's like, oh boy, when <laughs> I'm going to make my move. <laughs> or in some doctor's offices, oh. they do have like a, a bowl of condoms. I know that in my doctor's office, but I, I do go to a specifically like queer focused clinic. They don't have that at my doctor's office. <laughs> Maybe they had something there. And he saw it and he was like, well, let me just take a fistful or two just in case. Another option Mm -hmm. is that in the hospital gift shop, there was a vending machine that sells condoms because very fancy vending machines at like fancy hotels do shit like that. Mm -hmm. So maybe he just like put a little quarter in (laughs) and got one. Or he somehow discovered her mother's stash and stole one from there. <laughs> also possible. But she did specifically say it took him like two seconds to get it. Okay. He wouldn't carry his bag all the way up those stairs. So he had to have had it in his pocket. Mm-hmm. So he had it readily available. Jenny, yes. please. <laughs> we need to know. <laughs> Jenny, as much as we appreciate safe sex being practiced here, this raises so many questions. <laughs> this, this is the... My biggest thought on the book is I just, I need to know where he got the condom <laughs> from. <laughs> there is some some penis and vagina action here. Like, ow, ow. <laughs> Allison urged him onto his back and straddled him. They both groaned when he was fully inside her. That got me a little bit. I was like, Oof. Yeah, I, I thought that was good. His mouth found the shell of her ear as they began to move against each other, and he whispered her name in that reverent way. Allison put a finger to his lips. If there was ever a time for Colin Benjamin to shut up, it was now. Which I highlighted as Mimi. I also highlighted <laughs> their mouths dance <laughs> the way their words always did as Mimi. <laughs> Huge, their tongues wrestled for dominance energy. Yep. Also, you know, rearranged my guts, but accidentally hit my heart energy here. Uh, <laughs> they'd had sex plenty of times when they were dating and it had always been good but it never felt like this like he'd found somewhere in her she hadn't known existed and then the the last paragraph of the scene hugging him close she lost herself first in the tangle of their bodies and the growls rumbling from his lips then to the orgasm that followed minutes later so intense it felt as if she would break into and that's it and i literally i was like jenny why would you do this to me <laughs> What we have here is fine. It's more than mountain retreat murder. Mm-hmm. It's more passionate than Sonny says and slightly more detailed. It just... I want more. I want more. I want and porn. You've built up the chemistry between these characters so much. I just felt you could have done more. I saw her TikTok advertising this book and it was like an exes to lovers with a little bit of like chili pepper emoji. I was like, oh, cool. So this sex scene isn't going to be great then. Yeah, by TikTok standards, TikTok is like, oh my God, if you look at somebody for too long, it's suddenly like rated X. Dollar sign EX. I thought about a main character's penis, and now mm-hmm. this has three chili peppers. <laughs> <laughs> God, if they read uh, Nanny and the Beast, they would explode. Guess what I have on my desk readily available? <laughs> <laughs> Just like I have <laughs> the Great Gatsby for <laughs> But I think that's just a testament to like her writing that we want more because what we yeah, got exactly. is good. And then the chemistry between them is freaking palpable. Yeah, it's like 
girl, feed us. <laughs> yeah. Please. There are a lot of books where we're like, yeah, the sex scene isn't remarkable, but we don't say we want more. Yeah. We want more. Yeah. Give me that bonus chapter. If I pre-order your next book, can you just like write a bonus chapter and just like email it to me? Yeah, just for, just for us. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, steamy dreamy mimi at gmail.com. <laughs> please write us, Jenny. Please, please send us porn. It's <laughs> a <laughs> sexual harassment. <laughs> oh, no. Jenny, please. I'm sorry. Okay. So the next day, there's a very Oak Alexandrite moment. <laughs> Groaning, she turned away from where her head had been pillowed against Colin's bare chest and started to rise from the mattress. No, he moaned, his arm wrapped around her waist and coaxed her more steadily to him. Stay. There was a sleepy rasp in his voice <laughs> that warmed her center. That is exactly us when, like, our partners, like, move or touch us while we're cuddling them. Like... <laughs> I'll, I'll insert a clip when we edit of uh, Oak's girlfriend doing an impression of it. Oh my god, please. When I woke you up the other morning, <laughs> touching your arm. I don't remember that. <laughs> I woke you up. I was trying to move your arm like this. <laughs> and I like grabbed right here. And <laughs> We're like, oh! <laughs> scared the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> we do not like to be disturbed. Oh, cute. Also, Colin has cat boxers at more to his cat underwear. Oh my god. Also, his, do, I don't know, did we talk about his cat? How he has an orange cat with one eye that he named uh, Captain Jack, as in Captain Pepper Jack, as in Pepper Jack Cheese. Yeah. It's very yeah. funny because Allison's dog's also named after cheese, Monterey Jack. Yeah, it's cute. It's cute. Also, in an effort to find like that exact rearrange guts hit my heart quote, I just looked up rearrange guts hit my heart on Google. And the first result, music.youtube.com playlist, rearrange my guts, daddy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> rearranging oh, no. her guts, TikTok search. He just rearranged my guts at school, TikTok. Is it possible to rearrange someone's guts on Quora? On Reddit, wanted a man to rearrange my guts. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for doing the tiktok lady voice <laughs> oh yeah so she texts everybody the next morning like hey because everyone's like what the fuck happened like she was they throwing this event and just like homer simpson into the bush <laughs> <laughs> i would assume she had been fucking kidnapped like, i mean you would have to right <laughs> yeah like what happened but also with the dog like did she run away yeah. Or did she take the dog for a walk and get murdered? <laughs> like, what happened? So she texts everybody and she's like, hey, I'm so sorry for disappearing. My mom called saying that my father was in the hospital and I just panicked and left. Also, so Mandy, her friend from the, the grad program, calls her and like talks to her directly. And she asks how she got to Maine. Colin drove me, she admitted. Oh, did he now? Allison mm -hmm. could practically see her friend's knowing grin even through the phone. Okay, so, Nicole, picture this. Okay. You and I are in a grad class. Okay. And there are these two people who we both agree have been hate flirting this entire, like, couple of months. Mm -hmm. You call Allison up and she's like, oh, Colin drove me to uh, see my dad in the hospital at, you know, two in the morning. 
Is your reaction, oh, you're fucking then? No, I'd be like, holy shit, is everything okay? Yeah. I'd be like, well, I'd be like, that's really nice of him. Yeah. It's like, damn, like for everything to be like that serious that this fucking guy like drove you four hours in the middle of the night. Yeah, four hours. Christ. But also I'd be thinking, I'm like, they're probably fucking. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Mandy. Oh, Mandy. Oh, but she also tells Sophia what's been going on. And she tells Sophia that Colin drove her. But other than that, doesn't say anything. And Sophie's like, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me Colin was in your life again? Yeah. And so she, but she didn't like answer. And so the reason she like reached out to Mandy about this was because Sophie has this image of Colin in her head that is just Colin from undergrad. Colin 1.0. Yes. And so, but Mandy knows Colin 2.0. And so she has a more, I guess, like unbiased opinion of him, I guess. Yeah, nuanced. Yeah. So that's why she tells Mandy. Yeah. So. Oh, God. Now it's time. It, Ugh. Well, it's half the time. Allison goes and visits Jed in the hospital. He wakes up and he says, where's your mother? Working a half shift. The verbal feats Allison had to perform to get her mother to agree to go to the diner for this afternoon were virtually Olympian. And then this man has the audacity, as the second thing he has said since being conscious, to his daughter to say, so I'm going to be alone all day. And she says, are you alone right now? He says, no. He spat out the words like a petulant child who refused to admit he was wrong. First of all, Paula isn't there. Paula is just seemingly not in the picture here. Like, she is clearly involved in his life in some way, but not enough to go to the hospital when his heart is failing. Well, she only wants him on the good days. Yeah, it's true. Honestly, Paula knows what's up. Honestly, yeah. (laughs) Also, he turns the TV on and, like, turns it up to full volume so they don't have to talk. And she snatches it out of his hand and snaps off the TV. She'd never met a man more infantile than the one who had supplied half her DNA, and considering that most guys acted like five-year-olds on a daily basis, that was saying something. A direct quote from the book. Jed says, I'm surprised you're here, after that fit you pulled in your last email. Fit. Jed subscribed heavily to the very Victorian notion that all women were, at their core, on the brink of hysteria. All women are queens. (laughs) (laughs) She tries... Very nicely. She tries so hard in the first half of this conversation. Mm -hmm. She says, you had a heart attack. Of course I'm here. Says, I had heart failure. And then she straight up quotes Chidi Anagonye. You realize that sounds worse, right? (laughs) (laughs) And then she says, mom said you could have had a stroke. Your mother ex, the doctor said it too. The doctor is overreacting. She's like all those others back when that flu was around. Being too careful and turning everyone's life upside down in the process. Oh my god. This fucking guy. I didn't think you could make me hate this man more. Also, knowing that this is uh, four years in the future from now is good. I feel a little more comfy about people not wearing masks and things. Yeah. And so he says, I just want to go home and have a beer and watch the game because he's a man's man. And she says, you're probably not going to be allowed to have beer anymore. And he threw up a hand. It shook with palsy that she'd never seen before. That couldn't be good for an electrician. Then he slammed the hand down against his leg. No, Jed, you're the last person to talk to me about a diet. The audacity. 
frankly. He's such a fucking dick. He he is. I, I'm just kind of at a loss for words here with this conversation. It's mm-hmm. just too, too much and too real. And she says, I'm not the one in the hospital with heart failure. No, if you're going to insist on sitting here, talk about something else. Insist on sitting here as if she were an imposition, as if her body, which he hated so much, was filling too much space. She says, you're sick. I'm your daughter. Irritation seeped into her voice. It tasted bitter, like too much ginger on her tongue. I thought you'd want me here. He shrugged, shrugged. She directly asks him, why don't you care about me? And it's the most, th- this scene is just heartbreaking, to be honest. But also, like, fucking pisses me off. Tell me. Well, okay, because he says, Allison, don't start. Don't start what? Don't start saying how I feel, how you've made me feel for the last 23 years of my life? Ah, yes, you've had such a tough life. What with the roof over your head and clothes on your body and all the food on your table. And she even says it, too, where she was like, congratulations on fulfilling the bare minimum of parenting. Wait here while I get your participation trophy. Yeah, I fucking hate that shit. Yeah, it's so irritating. So fucking often where she's like, I fed you and put clothes on your back. Bitch, I didn't ask to be here. Yeah. You put me here. Exactly. Well, least you could do is fucking do the bare minimum, make sure I don't die, I guess. My existence was your choice, unfortunately. Yeah. You think I asked for this? You think I asked to be in debt? <laughs> you think I asked to be a victim of late stage capitalism? Yep. No. I think I asked for the many mental illnesses I inherited from you both. <laughs> <laughs> She asked for him to care about anything in her life. I want you to care that I'm in an important PhD program, that I'm going to be a college professor someday, that I'm doing exactly what I promised you and mom I would. Not everybody does that. Not everybody is able to grasp their dreams in the palm of their hand and make them real. Some people try so, so hard and all they end up with is dust. But I'm doing it. Me, your daughter. I want you to care about that. I want you to care about how much you've hurt me. How have I hurt you? I gave you a good life. Thank you. (laughs) And the Oscar goes to... (laughs) (laughs) Mom gave me a good life. You tried to make me hate myself. You're having a fit again. (laughs) This is not a fit. It's the truth. Do you know what it's like to live with you? The constant remarks about my weight, the diet printouts everywhere, the way you'd buy junk food and stock the house with snacks and then shame me for eating what was available... The way you brushed aside everything I cared about. I guess I should thank you since your disinterest motivated me, but there's always been this part of me that was empty. A hole I couldn't fill because it was yours. If this motherfucker was on life support, I'd pour water on the fucking plug. (laughs) 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 Fuck this guy. Fuck this guy for real. And he's just like, I don't know what you want me to say. She says, I want you to say that you love me, dad. And he says... Nothing. And yet he said nothing, just looked at her like he didn't understand its meaning either. And the doctor comes in and he's like, don't cry, he'll be okay. And she just she just leaves. That's that. Do you have any other thoughts before we get into the, the last bits of this book? Mm, not until after. Not until we do the next after book? I thought that was next month. Oh my god. <laughs> Please no. Colin very kindly comforts her over the next few days and fucks her a lot. Hell yeah. Ow, ow. Ow, up against the back door one time. Oh, we visit Charlie. Yes, we do visit Charlie. We we visit Colin's grandfather, Charlie, and we meet Colin's aunt, who is the dean of the Graduate School of Arts and Sciences of Claymore. Holy shit. Yeah. 
Holy shit, dude. Dad, Jane piped in. Remember when he was little and he used to give us lessons after Sunday dinner? Wait, what? Allison's hands fisted in delight. Embarrassing childhood stories were the best ammunition. Nicole, how do you feel about this line? Embarrassing childhood stories are the best ammunition? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was that... like, ammunition for what? <laughs> I'm about to go off. <laughs> um, oh, shit. So we have a rule in the Alexandrite system. Mm-hmm. We do not embarrass each other, like, by bringing up old memories and things, or, like, things that people are sensitive about, because that shit fucks us up. We hate when people tell embarrassing stories about us, especially our fucking parents, mm-hmm. and it just, it hits so many buttons. So let me tell you, when Allison is, is delighted to hear these embarrassing stories, to tease him with later, it does not endear me to Allison. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, and maybe I'm a sensitive ass little bitch, but <laughs> at the same time, I gotta put that out there. I mm-hmm. think that people are too mean. I think that bullying is too common in our society and too common in families. That's for sure. Ooh, that is, mm-hmm. My biggest bullies were my family. Oh, yeah, for sure. I see a lot of a lot of bullying in my family. And now in my old age, I'm calling it out. I don't stand for that shit anymore. Mm-hmm. That's why my family doesn't like me. Hell yes. <laughs> because I don't give a fuck. If y'all suck, I'm calling you out. What are you going to do? Get mad at me? Go ahead, bitch. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, so that's basically all I wanted to say there. Yeah, like if it's a fun, if it's like a fun story, then like I don't mind. Yeah, I think it just like depends. I think I don't mm-hmm. really have like an opinion on it as like a whole. I feel like if Colin had said, "Please don't tell that story," like very distinctly, "Please don't tell that story," I feel like they would have told it anyway. I feel like Allison oh, yeah. would have brought it up anyway. Mm-hmm. That okay. is how what little faith I have in these characters. Or no. Maybe it's just because I see so much myself. <laughs> <laughs> gone anyway oh and his aunt recognizes her name because apparently wendy just like raves about her constantly you'll have to see it good sign for her because she wants this you know opportunity real bad let's talk about this final project okay colin and allison spend a lot of time bonding and a lot of time fucking and all of this is kind of centered around this like midterm project that they need to present to like their class and to Wendy's class rather as the TAs. And so Allison has had this idea kicking around for a while called Beauty is the Beast. That's that's what she's titling this project. Talking about the knight's tale, I think, and the role of women's bodies in it. Something about that. Something like that. Yeah. Is it this again, most of the references to like literature kind of just like flew over my head. Yeah. And so Colin puts forward three ideas, and the one that he eventually settles on is eroticism in a time before pornography. So like eroticism in middle English literature. Allison is like, that's actually a really good idea. She kind of like makes some some little jokes about it on like all the fun that he can have with it, about like all the puns and things. And he kind of like goes cold and he's like, wow, okay, so you do think my topic is ridiculous. I'm kind of like... You're being a little... Listen, I just had like a two-minute rant about how uh, you shouldn't make fun of your family members and that I'm sensitive. I think you're being a little sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> it There is clearly like no malice in what she says here. She's like, I think it's a fascinating approach to this topic. You might just end up leaning hard on the text rather than research to support your interpretation. And then she says, plus think of all the fun you can have, all the puns. 
nothing that is said there is really that that much. Oh, no, I think he's being overly sensitive. And I feel like a lot of that is because he himself isn't confident in his ideas and everything. So now he's kind of just like, oh, like, I already know it's a shitty idea. And now I kind of feel shittier about it. Okay, before the project, let's talk about one of the final bits with Ethan. It's not like the final bit with him. (laughs) Ethan. So they're at another one of these gatherings is at Colin's house. Allison's helping Colin in the kitchen with getting some things and uh, they end up making out in there. Ethan walks in and they like just pull away from each other in time. And he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and hmm. nothing. They insisted in unison. That seemed to be the last piece of evidence Ethan needed. Pivoting, he strode back into the dining room. Allison and Colin on his heels, hissing his name. As soon as he was in sight of Mandy and Link, Ethan flicked a hand over his shoulder. Well, they're fucking, he announced. Tasteless and with absolutely no affect as usual. And Mandy laughs and says, of course they are, which <laughs> is a more humiliating thing to be honest. <laughs> like, oh, everyone knew, huh? And then it's like, oh, you know, we're not just fucking, we're together. Yeah, it's very Aww. cute. I think the only thing worth mentioning before the presentation is that during this whole time of like prep, they're supporting each other and it's great. It is like the rising star thing again, except now it's like, okay, now we know we're in this together. We're competing. He's not going to like blindside her. Mm -hmm. Also during this whole prep time, her mother keeps like texting and calling her updates on her father. And she's saying shit like he's been out of the hospital for two weeks. Why haven't you called him? Blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Shit like that. Also, there is a very brief scene where uh, they fuck on the kitchen table. It's like a paragraph, but it's nice. Mm-hmm. I liked the passion. Oh, so he's asking about, you know, her mom and like what's going on. Has Mrs. Avery stopped bringing up your father constantly? And she says, you can call my mother Cassandra. Colin held his hands up. Oh, no. Maybe when we're married, but until then, all significant others' parents are strictly Mr. and Mrs. or the gender neutral equivalent. Allison choked, flipping over on her stomach so she could see his face more clearly. When we're what? <laughs> His face flushed right up to the tips of his ears. He tried to pull a pillow over his head, but she knocked it away. I didn't, not like you and me, us, just in general, the general royal we. I won't call anyone's parents by their first name until they're officially my in-laws. That's it. All I meant. And she says, we haven't even discussed if I want to get married. Have you been planning on kids too? Because I'm definitely not having any of those. Colin covered his face with a sheet this time. I didn't mean us, he insisted, his voice muffled by the fabric. What's my wedding dress going to look like? Where will the wedding be? Do you have a binder? Can I see it? (laughs) For the second time tonight, Colin said, I hate you. (laughs) She laughed. You love me. Jerking the sheet down, he gazed at her with wide eyes. The corners of his lips wavered, his face more serious than she'd ever seen it. When he spoke, Allison could barely hear him over the TV. What if I did? This time it was her fumbling for words. What? Would that be so strange? She studied his face. Was this a joke? She was afraid to answer until she was sure, because the truth was, those words had wanted to sneak their way out of Allison's mouth a few times now. She'd already loved him once. Doing it again was easy. Are you being serious? They were both angled forward, that invisible thread that bound them yanking tight. Allison. The intensity in his gaze pinned her in place. I can't fall in love with you. I'm already there. I never stopped. Her whole body went slack. The words so unexpected, they snapped every bit of her restraint. Letting her sheet fall away, she eased up until they were face to face and brought her mouth down to his. I love you too, she whispered against his lips. So cute. It's very sweet. So Allison hadn't heard from Colin like all day. The last thing that he said was that 
he needed to go because they need his help with Charlie. Oh, all week, actually. Oh, is it It's a been week? like several days. Oh, yeah. she's at, at all today, she said. Not much since Monday. Oh, okay. okay. So yeah, so she had barely heard from him all week and then hadn't heard from him at all that day. So he, she, he just said he needed to go see Charlie and she said, okay, like, what should I bring? And he says, what are you talking about? And she said, well, I'm coming, right? And so he said, not tonight. It's late. He's not himself at night. Sometimes he's mean. I don't want you to see him like that. So she says, okay, like, keep me updated then. And he really does not. <laughs> yeah. And so she's just freaking out and like rightfully so, where it's just like, why isn't he talking to her? So she makes her like worst case scenario list. You know, he finds your presence stressful, not calming. There's someone else he'd rather be leaning on. So she actually texts him, which good for her because she hasn't like expressed when she's upset ever in this book. Mm -hmm. And so now she's finally saying something. Well, it started with her dad, but again here. She says, I wish you'd talk to me about whatever's going on. And he says, I know I've sucked the past few days. I'm sorry. She says, what can I do? He says, bring your pom-poms tomorrow. She says, you're going to do your lecture? Of course. I thought maybe you weren't up for it. It's more important than ever. What does that mean? I'll tell you about it tomorrow, I promise. After I get this lecture off my plate, I'll tell you everything. His words were cryptic, ominous even, but at least he was talking. Okay. He says, I love you so much. And she says, I love you too. And before we get into the dramatic final act here, let's talk about Ethan again. Because <laughs> <laughs> while alone, Mandy and Allison take time to dunk on Ethan. Hell yeah. I'd say I'd have Colin set you up with a friend, but at this rate, it would end up being Ethan. Mandy's cackle echoed against the ceiling. I mean, theoretically he's hot, but his personality ruins it. Can you imagine having sex with him? God, no. He'd probably bring a textbook along. Or correct your grammar while you talk dirty, Allison said. I need you to have fewer clothing on, Mandy mumbled in a faux seductive whisper. Less clothing, Allison deadpanned. They both dissolved into a fit of giggles. <laughs> Here's my strangest headcan for Ethan. I think that Ethan is good in bed. No! <laughs> I think that makes him even stranger. No! <laughs> oh, God. Because I think he's very, like, textbook about it. He'll make you come, but you won't be happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's it. <laughs> God damn it, Ethan. Ugh. It's like uh, that TikTok about, um, like, one of the last boys that this lesbian dated before she realized she was gay. And he was convinced that he was a werewolf. And <laughs> she was like, to this day, he is the only man to make me come. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was, th- but also he gives the same energy as the what no head and then like breaking the skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> so he also has that energy in my mind. <laughs> he does. Also, it was the truth universally acknowledged that the acquisition of the PhD resulted in a total loss of one's ability to properly manage electronics. As somebody who's worked with a lot of PhDs and especially a lot of MDs. Completely true. Completely <laughs> fucking true. No truer words have been said. <laughs> Once Allison gets her PhD, she's going to start carving on a stone tablet. I Instead, know. she's not even going to use a pencil anymore. <laughs> and she'll only work by candlelight. If that. <laughs> by torch. <laughs> so the day has finally arrived for Colin's presentation because he's going first. And then I think a couple days later or like a week later, she'll be presenting. Mm-hmm. So he's nervous. And what if today doesn't go as planned? She says, what do you mean? You know, because there's a lot 
happening here. I mean, a lot at stake. The mentorship and the trip and the opportunity to work with Wendy. The relationship and their history with uh, competition in general. Yes. And so he says, we'll be okay no matter what happens today. It was almost a plea. Allison angled across the desk and caught his hand. We'll be okay, she promised, always. Because now she's reached the point where if he earns it, he's earned it. And if she earns it, she's earned it. But she knows that the both of them have been working very hard towards this. The both of them really want this. And so this competition is much more friendly than it was last time around. Because again, last time she was totally blindsided. Mm -hmm. And so he brings up his presentation on the big ass screen. And on that screen, we see the title of his PowerPoint, which read, Beauty is a Beast. Which is the title of her project. What do you think of this? Okay. So I was like, we're nearing the end of the book here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like, so this conflict needs to be resolved fairly quickly. I'm like, so there needs to be like some kind of misunderstanding. But I didn't know exactly what was happening. Yeah. For a moment, I had that thought of like, there is no way this doesn't have a happily ever after, right? For a second, I was like, oh my God, are we not going to get a happily ever yeah. after? I was like, has has Colin been like Taylor Swift this whole time? A snake? A polluting oh. snake? <laughs> Stop, the Swifties are going to get mad at us. Shit. Going <laughs> to blow up our page like we're Evermore Park. Yeah, I wasn't sure. Honestly, it's like as much as the romance novel needs a happily ever after or a happy for now. I feel like I wouldn't be upset <laughs> if yeah. this was like, if this just ended in betrayal. <laughs> I don't know if I would feel stronger about this book or less strong, but I would be like, that is a memorable ending. Yeah. Here, like, here's where my mind went if we went this route. Charlie isn't doing hot. And he promised Charlie and his mom that he would like get his PhD and blah, blah, blah. And so he realizes my idea's ass. Allison's is better. As much as I love her, I love my family more and need to do this for them. So I'm going to steal her ideas. I mean, that's not far from what actually happened. Yeah, but I mean, like, but like, more I know, I know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's how I would write it too. Like he's in a desperate place and he decides to do a really shitty thing that fucks up this relationship forever. Damn. And he like sits there knowing that he's about to like blow up their relationship. Poof. Yeah. Anyway, so Allison like cuts off all contact with him. She storms out of the room, does not see his presentation. Once she sees that title, she's like, this bitch took my idea. He's probably been waiting for this the whole time. He's done some espionage and like seduced me in order to get my idea to him, which I think is kind of ridiculous, but also you know, not unreasonable to think maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean like she's been burned once before. Like Almost in the exact same way. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's like, again, I see this like kind of misunderstanding pop up a lot in mm -hmm. books. But again, I feel like here it is much more justified than in other books I've read. Yeah. It's like, he's done this shit before, like on this exact same scale, essentially. Yeah, it's crazy. So she cuts off all contact with him. And then she decides to meet with her professor to tattle on him. Because he did plagiarize in her eyes. Mm -hmm. She starts talking to her professor and she realizes that she has a better idea for a project. She starts to talk with her about it and her mother calls her like repeatedly 
Like, she keeps hitting ignore on it, and she keeps calling back immediately. And her professor is like, that sounds urgent. You should probably pick that up. And she's like, oh, fine. What is it, mom, you fucking bitch? (laughs) (laughs) And her mom's like, sweetie, your dad's fucking dead. Oh, my fucking God, he's fucking dead. (laughs) (laughs) Is it too early to start playing Ding Dong, the witch is dead? (laughs) (laughs) Also, I wrote a note here when she sent an email to her professor that says, I'm about to end this man's whole career. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Also, my note for uh, I don't know how to say this. Your father, he's he's dead. Uh, My note here reads poggers, dude. I just think, oh, my God. Oh, my fucking gosh. You fucking dead. You know, you know know that vine? Yeah. It's Keisha. It's Keisha. (laughs) Oh, my fucking gosh. You fucking dead. (laughs) A classic. Also. I'm so excited to tell you listeners how her dad died. Oh my god, yes! Quote, he stopped taking his meds as soon as he left the hospital. He had a heart attack, alone. Paula found him when she stopped by with groceries. And it's like... (laughs) (laughs) The dumbest man on the face of the earth. Dumb bitch energy. It really reminds me of... let Let me pull up the Wikipedia page for... Noted rock singer and Rocky Horror alumni Meatloaf, who died in January of 2022. Politics. Anti-COVID-19 precautions. He was critical of the COVID-19 lockdowns during the COVID-19 pandemic, telling the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette in August 2021, I hugged people in the middle of COVID. I understood stopping life for a little while, but they cannot continue to stop life because of politics. He opposed mask mandates and described a person who called for people on airplanes to wear masks as a Nazi and power mad. Meatloaf then said, if I die, I die, but I'm not going to be controlled. Meatloaf died in Nashville, Tennessee on the evening of January 20th, 2022, at the age of 74. No official cause of death was released. He was reportedly ill with COVID-19 earlier in January, (laughs) and reporting by TMZ suggests that he died from COVID-19 complications. That is the same energy that Jed brings here. Same energy. He's like, everyone's overreacting, dies immediately. I feel like I see this a lot in older men where it's just like, oh, you know, like medicine, like I'm tough. Like my dad's one of those people where he's like, oh, I'll tough it out. But like my dad got vaccinated, got Mm -hmm. his booster. And while my dad has um, like high blood pressure and high cholesterol, but Mm -hmm. he's just like, I fucking love pasta. If I can't have pasta and wine, what's the point of living anyway? Uh. So he, so I'm like, oh, you're kind of valid. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I agree. But um, at the same time, it's like if he, like he's been prescribed something that he like needs to take on a weekly basis. It's weird. I've never seen anything that you only take like once a week, but that's just me. But he takes it. So it's like if he knows he really needs it, he'll do it. So it's just like not as extreme as fucking Jed here. Fuck this guy. R.I.P. to a real one. Rest in piss. (laughs) Crap rave. (laughs) (laughs) I will say he stuck to his guns till the end. Mm -hmm. He was nothing if not consistently (laughs) a dick. (laughs) Yep. Also, Allison pressed her hand to her mouth. It was awful to die alone like that. 
And I wrote, nah, he kind of had it coming. I got it coming. He basically asked for this. Yeah. And like, I get it. Like, you know, obviously she had like no love for her father, but that's still her dad. So I understand the complicated emotions here. Also, my wife just texted me, who's in my wife's in the other room. And said, did I ever tell you about how my father let a paper cut get so infected he would have needed to be hospitalized if my mother cared about the law? This man could have died from a paper cut. I don't need them to elaborate. <laughs> oh, my mother cared about the law because she wrote him a prescription oh. for antibiotic. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Ugh, what a big man. jet energy. <laughs> <laughs> big jet energy. I got thoughts I wanna, and I want to hear your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Because again, there are complicated emotions here she had no love for her father but that's still her dad and i mean she tried she tried as much as she could she Mm -hmm. literally couldn't have done anything else to fucking appease this man and so i was really glad that you know on his deathbed he didn't have this like revelation like oh i'm so sorry like you're my daughter and i love Mm -hmm. you i'm glad i'm very glad we didn't get that which is why i did not care for the part where a woman goes up to Allison and she says, you've got to be Jed's daughter. I'm Nancy, your father's secretary. I recognize your picture from his desk. He used to talk about you all the time. Just before he went into the hospital, he was telling me that you were a teacher in college. He said it's not easy to do. Most people never get into those programs. I hope you know your father was proud of you. How did you feel about that? I think he should have been proud of her when he was alive. Mm-hmm. Based on the way he interacted with her. Mm-hmm. And everything. There are two ways you can interpret this. I think it's one, redemption, which he does not deserve. And I don't want it to be redemption. I don't think Allison gives him that. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, us as the readers, it's like, oh, like, should Mm. we redeem him? And then thinking about, like, his motive, I almost think that he did that just for bragging rights. Yeah, honestly. He knew other people would be impressed. She even says, hearing Jed described this way as someone who could have maybe loved his daughter only made him more of a stranger. She wished Nancy had never said anything or that she hadn't heard it. Mm -hmm. It honestly feels like one last dig. Yeah. Like he could pretend to be proud of her for other people, but could never tell her to her face. Yeah. Even if he actually was proud. Mm -hmm. And it's like, fuck this guy, frankly. Yeah. So I was just like hoping, I'm like, I hope this isn't like an attempt to get us as the readers to like sympathize with him because yeah. fuck, I mean, fuck this guy. Yeah. And like, like he, he doesn't deserve that. Yeah. I really appreciated in the conversation with her mother about Jed. I don't want to talk about most of that, but I appreciate where she says her mom's side. He wasn't perfect. No, he was awful. Allison tossed the pillow to her feet. Why can't you admit that? Her mother's gaze fell to her lap and her jaw began to tremble. Because I don't want to believe that I could love someone who is truly awful. And it's like Ugh. the biggest oof of yeah, all time. That fucking hurt. Yeah. Also, her professor writes a very lovely letter that I'm not going to read at all. <laughs> oh, also, Allison records what her new presentation would have been in like the most simple of ways. She is in a like frumpy graphic tee. That says, uh, leave me alone. Shut up, I'm reading or something. Yeah, yeah. something like that. And has this like shitty copy of whatever book she's talking about. It's all dog-eared and she's like physically pointing at passages in it. And has like stick figure drawings on sticky notes. Yeah. Apparently Wendy loved it and apparently the class did too. Also, our final Ethan moment. Everyone bow your heads. All of her friends actually come up to her father's wake, which is very kind. It's a four hour drive. 
Yeah, it's a four-hour drive, and these people, frankly, do not know her that well. No. Like, a couple of months. I don't feel like I would go to someone's dad's funeral. I almost feel like I would, especially if we're going as a group, yes. Oh, if we're going as a group, yeah, yeah. but, like, I wouldn't suggest it. Yeah. <laughs> they all go up together, and Mandy texts her, I think Ethan drinks cologne. I have been sitting with him in this car for almost two hours, and I swear it's seeping out of his pores like alcohol. Link is practically gagging in the back seat. You will also not be shocked to discover that Ethan is a talk radio person. No music at all. And he goes the precise speed limit, not a mile above or below. This is the last time I let him drive anywhere. He listens to the Joe Rogan experience. Oh no, he does. And also Ben Shapiro. I thought we said that was too real. <laughs> it's true, but I mean, you know it's true though. Yeah. Before we wrap up the whole Jed thing, I just, unhealthy family dynamics. I mean, like, I'm I'm fortunate enough where I have a healthy relationship with my immediate family members. Granted, hasn't always been that way, but we've gotten to a good place. But, I mean, and my dear listeners, this is also for you. If someone in your life, it doesn't matter if you're related or not, if they do not serve you in any way, you, they don't need to be in your life. Yep. That's it. I mean, I, my extended family members, again, like fortunate enough to be good with my immediate family. My extended family is a different matter. I am old enough to make my own decisions. And it's, it doesn't matter if, you know, if they're your family. No, no, no. You are old enough. I assume if you're not, <laughs> stop listening to this podcast. <laughs> the following um, podcast was not for children. <laughs> I assume, I hope you are old enough. <laughs> To make your own decisions as to what is best for you. Oh, you got you got to say your your opening line. The dreamiest thing you can do. Yeah, listeners, the dreamiest thing you can do is listen to your own needs. And that includes with family members. You do not owe them anything just because you're related. <laughs> That's all I have to say on that. Anyway, yeah, Jed's dead. Uh, ow, ow. New, new gender neutral toilet just dropped. <laughs> <laughs> so she notices that Colin isn't at the funeral. Everybody else in the PhD program's at her funeral or at her, at her funeral. At <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> She's been dead the whole time. Wow. Everyone else is there. Yes, including her professor or Which Wendy. One of my favorite things in the book, she sees her professor. Had Wendy made her decision? Had she chosen Colin? Did she drive all this way to let Allison down gently? Like, yeah, girl, I'm sure that she drove all this way to tell you at your dad's funeral <laughs> that she wasn't picking you to be her advisor. Well, I mean, like, she's already crying, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay. I got two tattoos recently, right? One on my mm -hmm. arm, one on my bicep. When my mother saw them, she literally cried. But that's why I got them so close to each other because then it's just like one shock <laughs> instead of two separate shocks. Oh, you should have thrown some other things in there. <laughs> Kick her while she's down, you know? <laughs> her professor is there and does tell her that she has been chosen. She also tells her that Colin dropped out of the program. He he has <gasps> deferred his acceptance. Because he's so salty about losing. 
Yeah, he says, that bitch Allison won over me. I'm never going to talk to her again. You will not catch me dressing in a suit of armor to win her back. (laughs) Really specific things that he said. Yeah, Um, it's really weird. (laughs) What actually happened is that it turns out Charlie has stage four pancreatic cancer. Which, let me tell you, as somebody who used to work at a cancer lab, a death sentence. Like, a very quick death sentence. Jesus. It's less than four months, I think. Damn. It cannot be cured. So, yeah, it's incredibly terminal. And he's already in a delicate state, being older and having dementia, and who knows what other underlying health issues there are, so. Yeah, it's real hard. So he's dropped out of the program to take care of his grandfather and to assess what he actually wants to do, because he's not sure he wants to do medieval literature anymore. Okay, so before we get into that a little bit more, he also did not plagiarize her presentation. He sort of just like built off her idea and apply. I, I honestly didn't fully grasp this part. Yeah. Because I just don't understand literature. My understanding is that he had the same idea, but went in a different direction with it, with different texts altogether. He never wanted to take her idea, but oh boy, he certainly did not communicate the idea of like, hey, can I build off of your idea and our presentations can like counter and complement each other the thing he should have done even if he he says that he threw this together at like four in the morning i still think you should have sent a text and said hey or you know while you were setting up all the tech you should have said hey or you know literally at any point you could have said hey and apparently he gave her credit for the title and i think for the idea yeah and If Allison had stuck around for two more minutes and hadn't been in such fucking hysterics, she would have Women, am I right? Yeah. Fucking give me a beer. Bitches, am I right? (laughs) (laughs) Bitches be crazy. (laughs) I said, bitch. How do you feel about this? I feel like he texted her so many times after the fact, being like, call me, talk to me, blah, blah, blah. Just text her. Literally just say, I didn't actually steal your presentation. I just used the title. Yeah. And then like email her the PowerPoint. You have her email address. Yeah. This honestly, it went from like me being pretty satisfied with the book to the moment where he appears to have stolen her entire project being like, oh my god. (laughs) And then the revelation of this contrivance just made me angry, to be Mm -hmm. honest. It just feels like it's, this discussion is in the last like 10 pages of this book. How am I supposed to process this information? It feels like they should have a talk or something. Yeah. And guess what? They really don't. Mm -hmm. I also think... Let me get, let's finish the last 10 pages of this book and then I'm going to go on a fucking rant. Okay. So Colin shows up at her house wearing a suit of armor. He's wearing Ned. He is wearing <laughs> Ned's corpse. Ned Fulmer. R.I.P. <laughs> it does not fit him. I think he thought it would. <laughs> so. He's such a dork. Yeah, he shows up to her house in a suit of armor reading romantic medieval poetry. Oh, also, Allison is drinking a cider called Third Chance Cider, which is so corny. Yeah. Um, Allison's like, this is incredibly romantic. I never got to tell you how I really felt about those lines. He crumpled the paper in his fist, his gaze as erratic as his flitting hands. 
It reminds me of us, all the ways that love is messy and imperfect and yet still so powerful, like we've always been. And it's like, yes, I do like that. He does apologize. He straight up says, I shouldn't have used a topic so close to yours. And honestly, you should probably also say, I shouldn't have used your title without telling you. Yeah. But I have a bigger problem with her saying at the same time, why didn't you tell me about Charlie? Which is distinctly not an apology when at this point she knows he didn't steal her project. He is going through a lot of shit. Mm -hmm. Her shit comes out as an accusation Mm -hmm. again. And his is distinctly an apology. They talk it out. He tells her that he handles stress by shutting down. He really like spiraled. He was just really inspired by her and her work and he wanted to add to it, but it still wasn't his. I didn't even do it justice. I slapped that whole thing together at three in the morning on Thursday. I should have given my own. It would have been better. And she tells him, you're every bit as smart as me and a hundred times more charismatic. It's my fault that you don't feel that way. I kept competing with you, trying to show you I was better since I felt so shitty as a teacher. Oh, also, he brings up the incredibly low blow that she did while they were fighting afterwards, where she... Oh, yeah. She says, your aunt probably got you into this college, which sincerely hurts him. Mm -hmm. And he brings it up here. He says, you know, Jane didn't get me into Claymore, right? And she says, I know, I just want something to make myself feel better. And it's like, that's not an apology either. Just saying. He says, I haven't exactly had the best track record with us. I don't blame you for your assumptions. She said they were still awful. And now Wendy said you're leaving. Is it because she chose me? And he says, I chose medieval lit because of Charlie and because of you. I wanted to feel close to the people who meant something to me. I wanted him to be proud. I wanted you to think I was worthy of you. But I lost me in the process. I think stepping away for a while while I take care of him will help me find that again. And that's basically it. They get back together. They give it a third try. They both made mistakes. They'd handled this competition all wrong. But since he'd driven her to Maine, and maybe even before that, they had been a true team, nothing like their first time together, and they'd made mistakes as a team. She wanted to believe they could fix him, fix them the same way. Can we try again? His eyes caught hers. Pinned Allison in place. I'll do it right this time, I swear. She smiled. The rule of threes, right? I was so wrong that day I broke up with you at Brown. My life never could have started by leaving you behind. It began the day you walked, or I guess danced, into it. He sweeps her up into his arms, and for the first time in her life, Alison Avery kissed a knight, which is a callback to earlier in the book where they mentioned that she spent a lot of her teenage years reading <laughs> reading romances with knights in them. <laughs> uh, I don't know where to put this. Before we move into a full discussion about this, there was a point where um, Sophie says that they watch uh, swoony movies together for like romance movies. And I'm just thinking about the alternate universe, Three Little Words podcasts, Three Giant Words, oh. <laughs> where we read and rank romance novels on swooniness, crooniness, and mooniness. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think the ending? Okay. You know how you said that this book could have like 20 pages taken out from the middle? Mm -hmm. Take those, put them at the end. Yeah, exactly my thought when I finished this book. Mm -hmm. Like, I really overall like this book, but the ending fucks it. It it face plants so fucking hard. Mm -hmm. This is maybe mean to say, but in some ways it feels like it was written 30 minutes before it was published. I think it like also kind of caught me off guard because, all right, I have a physical copy of the book. Mm Mm-hmm. And there are 323 numbered pages here. And I didn't realize that that last bit was the acknowledgments. So the book actually ended on page 318. 
And yeah. so I was like, oh, like, that's it. I thought there was more. <laughs> there should have been a final conversation or something. I mean, this counts, I guess, as a final conversation, but I need like an epilogue. I think an epilogue would have actually saved this. Yeah. But one thing I will say in credit to Jenny L. Howe, Jenny, congratulations, you have won the award for being the only straight novel that we have read where the characters do not get married or engaged. Yay! Or Beast married, or, well, Fish married wasn't straight anyway. But Jenny, <laughs> we will be sending your trophy in the mail. <laughs> Genuinely, I think it's great. Yes. And completely appropriate for their age and where they are in life. Mm-hmm. It was very funny, actively mocking the idea of wanting to get married at this moment. Yes. Even if it was in a teasing way, it still felt genuinely like, like, really? Yeah, like, no, 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 that's not happening. <laughs> so I appreciate that. Yes. Nicole, do you want to move into rankings so I can go off about Allison? Okay. So Nicole, Allison Avery, smash or pass? I want to say smash, mm -hmm. but it's going to be a pass for me. Same. Honestly, the ending screwed it up. I I'm sorry. Okay, because, I mean, real quick, though, Colin Benjamin, smash. Smash, yeah. I, I think that he completely fucked up his communication at the end. I think yeah. he should have said something. Oh, yeah. I think, but I don't, the fact that he comes groveling back is enough for me. Mm -hmm. And so I, I wanted to just get that out of the way real quick because I feel like he is so incredibly likable and mm -hmm. I feel like fleshed out as a character more than our main character. Yeah. I feel like we've read books where like the main character has truly just been a nothing character. Yeah. And so, I mean, Allison does have, you know, a lot going on besides her being fat, which I like mentioned earlier on yeah. in the podcast. But at the same time, it's she's still very like kind of vanilla. Yeah. And so like, like I want to like her more than I do, but I think she's just totally overshadowed by how great Colin is. And I mean, I feel like the characters who aren't her are much better written than she is. We have Colin, even Ethan, who like sucks, at least has like all this substance to him. He has that a personality. like makes him notable. Exactly. Jed, piece of shit. But like we got to like really know him as a character. Mm -hmm. I feel like he's a good character. I feel like there are definitely story reasons why Allison is like this. She holds everything inside. Yes. Because of her fucking trauma and shit. But Allison, go to therapy. I'm yeah. sorry. Go to therapy. Go to therapy. Go to therapy and then smash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great point, honestly. Yeah. I will also say the thing I really want to go off about is that Allison does not say I'm sorry one time. Yeah. Like she does not apologize for the assumptions that she made once she finds all this stuff out. I'm trying to look and see if, if maybe I skimmed over something. It's my fault you don't feel that way, not an apology. I kept competing with you. Then I didn't give you the space to tell me what had happened and immediately assumed the worst of you. Not an apology, just a summary of what happened. Mm -hmm. You know Jane didn't get me into Claymore, right? I know, I think I just wanted something to make myself feel better, like the idea you didn't get in on your own somehow made what I thought you'd done more predictable. I felt so duped. Not an apology. I don't blame you for your assumptions. They were still so awful. Not an apology. And the fact that she calls him out for apologizing poorly earlier in the book. Mm, yeah. Where he starts to say, like, I'm sorry you feel like this. And to, at the end have this like acknowledgement of things that she did without apologizing for them because she did wrong here too. Mm -hmm. He fucked up. He fucked up a lot. Yes. 
I think he definitely made a lot of mistakes here at the end. Mm -hmm. But so did she. Like, he could have talked to him. I almost feel like it's a lot of, like, white feminism. Mm. So earlier on, when he actually mentions his aunt, like, being in the school and pulling strings, and she says, oh, that's white privilege for you. Bitch, you're white, too. And that's not white privilege. That's nepotism. Exactly. So there's that. And then also, I think it's kind of like, she shouldn't have to apologize. Because, like, you don't apologize to a man for, like, when you didn't do anything wrong. But it's just like, she did do things that are wrong, though. But that's what I think it is. Yeah. I just think if she said, I'm sorry for making these assumptions about you. I'm sorry I ignored you when you were going through a hard time. Even if you were shutting me out at that moment, I should have talked to you about this instead of just going and telling the teacher. It's just so frustrating to me. This book just face plants at the end and it really like tarnishes my feelings on the rest of the book because like Mm -hmm. while we were discussing this for the first four hours (laughs) I was like you know what I really do like this book I really enjoy it but then we got to this and I'm like I'm so mad again (laughs) see I like was just like oh yeah I like this and then I'm like oh wait I did like even though I had like just read it I'm like oh shit I did forget that I didn't particularly care because yeah I mean I feel like it could have been saved by her apologizing overall I really enjoyed the book. I really like Jenny's writing. I will for sure be pre-ordering her next book and will be attending a book signing if she's back at that bookstore. But yeah, it's like I I wanted desperately for Allison to just be a little more likable. Yeah, honestly, she's just not. That's the end of the sentence. She's just, I'm sorry, by the end of the book, I'm just like, She's not, I, I don't like her mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. I liked her before, I guess, basically because she's the main character and she wasn't really doing much wrong. I even liked when she was like kind of a bitch. Yeah. In some places. I don't mind that. I think she had some spunk, you know, some personality. Yeah. Like in Under a Falling Star, I enjoyed that D was a bitch. Yeah. It's just so disappointing to have a book that is so good fall so flat at the end mm-hmm. you know i'm sorry for going off so hard jenny because i'm now honestly not even sure if we're gonna tag you in this episode when it comes out or nor because i feel bad doing that for a book we didn't like i'm excited for your next book jenny i really want to like the next one mm-hmm. again it's like overall i really liked the book yeah but you know i the the ending was a little was lacking i will agree with you on that and definitely those 20 pages in the middle should have been just pushed over to the back or even again i was especially caught off guard because it's like oh the last five pages are acknowledgments they're not actually like part of the story Mm -hmm. don't number those pages (laughs) yeah 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 i've never seen those pages numbered i think that's why it threw me off so much so even if these five pages were used as like an epilogue just something to like really tie it up nicely i think that would have been better too yeah Mm -hmm. i don't know it's so disheartening so nicole how about we move into rankings what do you give this for steaminess steaminess this gets like a one (laughs) i'm going to be quite generous i'm giving it a two and a half oh i do really like what we have i don't like how abruptly it ends i Mm -hmm. don't like that we get so little yeah no i'll give it a two not a two and a half but two would you give it a two and a half Two and a half, yeah. I'm going to give it a two. Yeah, because no, what we did get was very good, but there wasn't nearly enough of it. Like, girl, give yeah. me more. Because what, yeah. what we got, again, mwah, chef's kiss, very good. 
which is why yeah. it left me wanting more. Give me more porn. <laughs> yeah, it really edged me, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what would you give this for dreaminess? For dreaminess, I have to give two rankings. Okay. I have to give a dreaminess score for chapters 1 through 40, and then a dreaminess score for chapters 40 and 41. <laughs> <laughs> so overall, this is getting like a three and a half. I like it. Yeah. But I'm sorry, chapters 40 and 41, when taken with the rest of the book, bring it down to like a two. Mm-hmm. I might even be harsh and give it a one and a half. No, I'm not going to be that harsh. <laughs> but like, it's just sad. Mm-hmm. No, I think I'm going to give it like a, I'm just like not going to even consider the last like two chapters because it's going to give me, it's going to, I'm going to give it a three and a half. And honestly, all of that can be attributed to one character and that's Ethan. <laughs> yeah. Ethan. Smash or pass. Ethan Wind, Windrum. Windmore. Windmore. Okay. Here, here's the thing. I will admit to having slept with people that I didn't particularly like. Mm -hmm. We've we've heard this admission on the show before. We both agree that he'd probably be good in bed, much to our, you know, disdain. Mm -hmm. Oh God, it would be like a smash, and then I just like feel really gross about it afterward. Yeah, if I were straight, I'd hate fuck him. Yeah, just once. Yeah, I want to hear if he would correct my grammar. <laughs> in the throes of lovemaking. <laughs> <laughs> I would just throw it in there just to just to see if he would. Oh god, he would. I would be sucking his dick and be like <laughs> I would be like, "Are you doing good?" <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then back down. I want to hear if he says, "Uh, Superman does good. I'm doing well. Thank you." And then he ejaculates. <laughs> 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 that was what he needed to get off. <laughs> But seriously, the dreaminess was like all Colin. Yeah. Colin's just right from the beginning, just the way he would like grin at her and shit. I got me like fucking like kicking my feet up and like twirling my hair. I was like, okay, <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah, it sucks to have this, I don't know, from a writer with obviously some like progressive views mm -hmm. to some degree at least. Mm -hmm. I will say... For a book that pays a lot of lip service to like people of color and trans people and queer people it's like it's very there i am gary there i am mm -hmm. like oh we get an implication that wendy francis is gay we get sophie who has a a, a hispanic last name we get link who is straight up just said to be gay and black mm-hmm and no trans people, except yeah. for like two throwaway lines, one of which being like the gender neutral of Mr. and Mrs. Mm -hmm. It feels like very white performative it, feminism. It's white feminism. Yeah. Like I really, it's somebody who is clearly trying, but still wants to center her own voice. Hey, it's her book. It's her yeah. book. I, I'm not saying everyone should be trans and queer and people of color in the book. Write whatever the fuck you want. Mm -hmm. But don't pretend that you're like being progressive while writing it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I really appreciate that, you know, we have a fat main character and stuff, but I don't know. Man. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to do everything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Meaniness. That's the last thing yeah. we have to do. Cool. Uh, what do you what do you give this book for meaniness? I think there was okay. So again, our definition of meme. I yeah. think there are is like only 
really one or two parts in here that made me laugh that I don't think were intended to make me laugh, like mm-hmm. the mouths dancing and shit. But I thought it was funny. There were parts in here that mm-hmm. genuinely made me laugh. I fucking loved Ethan and how much I fucking hated yeah. him. So, you know, if we go by that defini- definition of memeiness, like how much fun I had and like how funny I think it was and how much the jokes hit, I'll honestly give it like a 3.8. I'm going to give it like a three. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like now that you're saying it like Ethan and like. <laughs> fucking Ethan. Th- there was a lot of shit that lands like really well. Yeah. And it's just so rom-com. Yes. And I love that. That always factors into memeiness for me, you know, like, you know, with Under a Falling Star, we were absolute sickos about all the tropes in that book. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. This one wasn't so tropey, but I did actually write yes, ha ha ha, yes at one point. He was close enough that his knee knocked against Allison's as he shifted and stayed there. She tensed but refused to pull away. Why should she? Colin had encroached on her space. Yes, ha ha, yes. <laughs> yes. A minor sicko there. <laughs> but yeah, I it was it was a fun book overall. Yes. We have read authors in the past that have released updated versions of their books. I'm going to leave it at that. yep maybe it's audacious of me to to suggest that the author rewrite the book because i didn't like it but i just just like you gotta rewrite just the last chapter man honestly yeah literally just the last chapter those five pages that were the acknowledgements make that part of the book wrap things up perfectly and that would go like a long way just give me an epilogue yeah jenny steamy dreamy mimi at gmail.com please send us the porn please send us an epilogue (laughs) Yes. I will personally read it on the show and you can add it to the end of the audiobook. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I feel bad for how I feel about the ending and that Mm -hmm. sucks to say, to be honest. I feel bad about it. Yeah. I really wanted to love this book. Yeah. And for the most part, I really enjoyed this book. Mm -hmm. But the ending is the last thing that you see. That is true. And it leaves you with that taste in your mouth. Yeah. So Nicole, what's the final word? Final word is honestly, I liked it. I'm glad I read it. I had a fun time. But I, just those last five pages being the acknowledgements really fucking threw me. And I did think the ending was a bit abrupt. But other than that, I thought it was a very fun read. I thought Colin was a very charming romantic lead. And I am in love with him. Colin, please call me. My number is 203. <laughs> Well, I'll get Oak Alexander right on the phone now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ethan, also, please call me. Yeah. <laughs> Ethan, call me. I want to school you in the marketplace of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> My final word is Jenny. I'm looking forward to on the plus side. Yes. Coming out in uh, 2023. Also, the uh, initials of your book spell out OTPs. So I'm not sure if that was on purpose or not. Oh. On the plus side, OTPs. On the plus side, yeah. Anyway, I think that's it. I think that's it. We've been recording for four and a half hours. Holy shit, Claudia. Where Actually, can the longer find... than that. That's true. Where can the people find you? People can find me on Twitter at P-U-N-K-D-Y-K-E, Punk Dyke. Can't believe nobody had that at, and maybe if Elon has his way, they won't. Oh, damn. <laughs> uh, and you can find me on the Twitter at Sexy Pagliacci. S-E-X-Y-P-A-G-L-I-A-C-C-I. That's the sad clown. Uh, you can follow the show at The3LW Podcast on Twitter and all the things and on Patreon. Shout out to our patron, June B. We love June you, B. June B. 
Hopefully you're still subscribed when I edit this episode. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure she will be. She seems to fucking love the, the podcast. We love you, June B. Yeah. We have exclusive content on there. Me and Nicole read all of the after series by the point in time this goes out, I think. Oh, my God. Well, Nicole read it, and I uh, got high and listened to her talk about it. Um, as of recording, I have only read the first book, but I can guarantee that i'm probably no i can guarantee that i'm still like spiritually recovering from reading the series by the time this comes out (laughs) oh also we need to briefly say what we're reading next time oh yes claudia what are we reading next time so next time we're going back to amazon for an interesting little read we're going to be reading Am I, sorry, uh, we're definitely not reading Am I the Asshole, a modern fairy tale, because that's not the title. It is very distinctly A-I-T-A, question mark, a modern fairy tale by Casey (laughs) Alexander, which I believe is a lesbian story. Yay. So yeah. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Journey to distant realms. Explore the furthest reaches of the universe. Survive deadly dangers. Experience matters of the heart. And more in a new actual play podcast. Join me, Audrey. That's right, just me, as I play tabletop games designed for one player. From journaling games to tarot games to even games that take me outside, I'm bringing you along for the ride. Join me for every episode of Alone at the Table.